Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to another episode of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady, and I am joined today by a voice that you have not heard in a long time. It's been far too long. I am so elated. I am joined today by Brandon. I said by Bravo Alvarado. By Bravo. <laughs> I'm joined today by Brandon Alvarado. Brandon, how are you? I am good. How are you? I'm good. It's been like, it's just, it's gross how long it's been since we've done this. It's been so long and like I just need you to know that like I feel like every I feel like every quarter at least and it's more than that but let's just say every quarter I'm like wait why haven't I talked to Troy about like Bravo <laughs> stuff yet like everything there's always like a point every few months where I'm like wait like I have to catch up with Troy like this is this is a lot going on in the Bravo world. <laughs> well it's like when you realize how much how many things have happened like cities yeah. ended and new cities started and housewives were let go and housewives were brought in and there's a Hilton involved. And, and Bev- I mean, it's, it's, oh. it's a lot, like there's a lot to talk about. So Brandon and I today are going to be doing, um, we're going to stick to housewives today because there is so much to cover that. I mean, this alone could go for seven hours. So we are just going to be talking about what is currently happening on housewives and some predictions Um Obviously, we have a new city to talk about, and I'm really, really excited to get into Salt Lake with you. Um, but first, how have you been? How is how is your life? How is your health? How are you? My health is good. Life has been good. These, oh my God, however many months have, it's weird. Like I, I had that moment where I think it's just like a couple weeks ago where I was like, kind of like I was working and I looked up and I was like, wait, how many months have passed by again? Like, yeah. Holy shit. Where did the time go? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everybody's having that moment. Um, but thank God I'm healthy. Thank God we're good. It's just, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. I feel like you and I last time, I feel like you and I talked or at least recorded like in the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. Yes. It and was the beginning now we're months into this how are you how is everything um I mean for me it's pretty much this it's a lot the same like I said I I I have a job that was remote before so my job will continue to be remote after and that won't change I guess so that's like a I think I said this to you last time like it's a weird thing that now like I used to have this schedule that felt very like alternative to me I was like god like I wish I could get on the same schedule as the rest of the world because nobody else really understands what I'm going through. And when I tell people that I work from home, they're always like, oh, well, that must be nice. And it's like, yeah, it's nice, but you're also working full time in your fucking house. And then when you're done with work, you stand up and walk two feet and you stare at it all day. And it's like, it's got its own issues. So it's like, it's weird to have the whole world, like basically the entire country sort of in the same world that I'm in now. You know what I mean? Like, and certainly we'll be doing it for a while, right? Yeah. Like this seems to just be like what it's going to be now. And I don't, I don't have an alternative work schedule anymore. It's just the way of the world. Um, but my health is fine. Thank God. And I'm working. I mean, I guess right now that's all you can really ask for. Oh yeah. I mean, that's you know? it, I guess counting our, any blessings that we possibly have. Right. 
I mean, truly the only thing that does bring me any happiness these days is TV. Let's be honest. Like, it's just, if I didn't love TV before, my God, Jesus. It's sad how much I look forward to like what's going on at Bravo during the week. Yeah, it's fucked. Um, but it's a nice constant. I mean, it's something to always look forward to. And, and uh, who knew that, by the way, we weren't really going to lose any content. It feels like we are getting... It feels like we're not losing any content. Remember, we thought we we're gonna have like Bravo deficit. I mean, not, not just oh, Bravo, yeah. like, TV, like TV deficit, where it's like we're just gonna like eventually. It was like the pandemic content was gonna run out. We're just sort of like here. Instead, yes. it's like somehow we have on Bravo alone like a new season of Atlanta coming that they filmed during the pandemic. We have like Dallas. We have Jersey coming back at some point. Salt Lake City just started. Potomac is in the middle of its season. OC is, uh, you know, trucking through. It's it's a lot. Of, it's a lot going on. I will tell you that um, I am officially exhausted of every reality show, not even just on Bravo, but just in general, having that moment halfway through where they're like, something happened. It's this thing that they're calling coronavirus. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, like the Kardashians are doing it right now where they're like, they're like, they're saying it's this thing that spread through the air. You have to wash your hands. There's everybody's out of toilet paper. It's like, I'm sort of over living in, that moment of the pandemic where like toilet paper was running out and and you know people were like learning what social distancing meant like i feel like we ourselves it was so beaten into our everyday that it is a little jarring to then relive the beginning of the pandemic for six months on everybody's shows Oh, it's very jarring. And if I have to hear Kelly Dodd one more time on that OC commercial, I'll go like, yeah, if I toilet paper, any, to- toilet paper anywhere. And she's oh like God. yelling into her phone. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Like, no. I, I think the other issue with this sort of like relieving the pandemic, and I think that was like a big fear for a lot of, you know, a lot of us who, you know, whether it was scripted or unscripted shows, like you watch your shows that you like and, you know, we see content and or these creators and, you know, these cast members and these shows deal with the pandemic. And I think a lot of people had this anxiety, including myself, about having to relive that, whether it was a fictional show that chose to deal with it in their own world, or it was a reality show focusing on it just like happening. I also think what's really important to note is like, I don't, there are certain people that like, quite frankly, certain casts that I don't wanna see the pandemic. Like, I don't wanna see the pandemic through their eyes. Like, I think it was certainly a choice to like have OC air and basically be our first housewife show to actually deal with the pandemic. Totally. in the middle of their season i'm like oh like it, to be honest with you like they're not the cast that i want to see deal with the pandemic i'm more so interested in seeing like how atlanta deals with the pandemic and that cast and if we you know if we have to relive it at all it, you know what i mean um right but yeah i think that's the other big element is like not only do i not want to relive it it's like i also don't want to relive it through certain people's eyes yeah i don't want to watch i i don't want to watch kelly dodd and shana bedore go shop for Purell together at Walgreens like I, I really no I'm good I really do not like I can't I just like I don't know there's something it's weird like how far away that seems like the whole toilet paper era of this like that feels the like it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like that was like years. it was like wow that was like months ago I feel like I lived that two lives ago at this point I know I agree it feels like five years ago somehow I just again but they can't find can't find toilet paper anywhere I just can't <laughs> get it I, it's playing in a loop in my head they wouldn't stop playing it well there is a new city in the Bravo world of housewives Salt Lake that recently premiered and I'm anxious and eager to know 
your thoughts because you watched it twice right yes and they will watch it a third time because i'm <laughs> watching it my friends want to see it so there's a couple of friends that will be watching it as well and i have to i have to watch it with them um virtually um it was i loved it i thought it was great i thought it was great i'm not someone who's ever like freaked out at the idea of like a new housewife city. I remember a lot of people were like, I'm not going to watch Potomac or Dallas. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not that person. Like if you have, if you have new, I feel like if you have new women for me. Like I will watch them. Like, because we know with housewives, like it takes them, like, I think a lot of people always say like, you know, why didn't they do a housewife in Chicago or, Salt, mm-hmm. or like San Francisco, like all the cities that you would kind of immediately think are they'd be top, top of mind. But Bravo and Andy Cohen have said many times that they usually have casted in those cities already and they just didn't work. So, like, when a housewife city comes together and they actually make it a housewife show, it it's usually because they have a great cast. So, I wasn't freaked out at the idea of a Salt Lake City housewife. I was like, oh, like, this will probably be a good show because, like, why would they do this unless the cast was good? Right. And not surprisingly, the cast was very good. Yeah, and, like, if Potomac has taught us anything, it's like, you should be open to these sort of, like, weird, un, uh, unexpected cities you know what I mean? Not everything has to be New York, LA, Chicago. You know, it doesn't always have to be like, it doesn't always have to be that. If this is, first of all, who would have ever thought in the beginning of this franchise to go plop a bunch of cameras in the middle of, of Coto de Casa, a place that none of us had ever heard of? You know what I mean? Like that's sort of the whole gig. Like it's fun when they go places that are unexpected. I mean, it's it goes back to the whole point of the show, which was like hidden wealth, like the idea right. of like, you know, where do the rich people in America live? And it's usually in these very exclusive sort of communities. And I had never been to Salt Lake City. Um, I, I would love to go to Salt Lake City and visit. I've never been to Utah. Um, and to see this sort of world through the eyes of, you know, ex-Mormons, Mormons mm-hmm. questioning their own religion, like, mm-hmm. you know, or in Mary's case being Pentecostal and, you know, Mer- and Meredith being Jewish, but this sort of like lens of religion, I think is huge. The fact that we haven't had a housewife show focus on that too much. Um, I love it. I, I, I love it. I thought it was great. Oh, and, and Jen being Muslim, I almost forgot. Um, right. I, I thought it was a great cast. Like, I just think it's a great cast of women. It's interesting to launch a housewife show now because I think um, I think launching a housewife show in 2020, these women have obviously seen housewives before. I think that like, it's, I mean, it's like casting any other housewife city, right? Cause like any housewives that join, you know, the various shows like Braum when it was admitted on OC that she's, you know, was a huge fan of OC before joining in season 14. Um, and that like Ebony in New York said that she watches, she watches New York or she watched New York and now she's going to be on it for the new season. Um, but, you know, seeing a fresh group of housewives who it's their first season, all of them, they've never had a housewife in Salt Lake City, but they've had many housewife series to watch. It's mm-hmm. interesting to see like who's, who were fans, who were not fans. Like Heather has admitted that she watches like all the housewives. She loves it. I assume Jen watches, but I feel like Jen said she watched only a couple. And like, I think it was just, I think Lisa said that she watches at least one of them. I'm sure they've all seen some of it. Um, I'm sure there'll be one who's like, oh, I've never seen Housewives before, by the way, which yeah. I love when I love when Housewives try and do that. And they actually have never seen the show that they're on. And by the way, I think if you didn't watch the show that you're joining, I think that's like the dumbest thing ever. Like you should be watching whatever show. I know. It's nothing to joining. brag about. It's like the it literally makes you look really stupid. I know. I'm like, I would even like, even if I hadn't seen it, I would probably lie and say that. I had. Yeah. <laughs> or I would binge it. Like you would just binge it before you film. I know. It always reminds me of um 
for some reason, whenever I hear housewives say that they've never seen the show, it always reminds me of Kat from DC being <laughs> like, I've never heard of the show. I've never seen Bravo before. I don't care. It's like, okay, you're so above it all. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I guess I should say, while we were the be- in the beginning of recording, I should put it out there because I'm going to say it 48,000 times. I am obsessed with the Mormon church and like almost like it's like literally it's it's I'll say that it's like in a road fetishy way I'm obsessed with it I love learning about it I love learning about like the polygamist roots of the Mormon faith I just find it really fascinating um I think I've said a million times on this show that one of my favorite shows of all time is Big Love which is like oh my god I saw the pilot but I still I have to watch that entire show. That might be my next binge, by the way. I think that you, and I'm, I'm saying this to everybody, including you, I think that you will enjoy this show and you'll enjoy the nuances of these people's families if you watch Big Love because it really, 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 even more so than like Sister Wives or any of those shows on TLC, Big Love was really controversial during the time that it came out because they had... Um, accurately filmed and depicted and showed on TV these ceremonies and all of this stuff that is really private when it comes to the Mormon faith. So it really gives you a, an idea of how all of it works and how important, you know, like, like the cast members were all mentioning their bloodline. Like all of that stuff is, is hugely important in the faith because it's like, you know, the, the better your bloodline, the, the, the more crowns you, the more jewels you get on your, your crown that get you to, to God or whatever. So it's like, if right. you totally clean in quotes bloodline, um, you are like Mormon royalty. So like in that area, you would be considered somebody who is like a local royal because of who your great, 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 great granddaddy is or whatever. And one of his 40 wives. So I don't know. It's, it's all very interesting. And I'm, I'm excited for this show because it's so much different than a show like Sister Wives because Sister Wives shows this like veneer of what mm. it is to be a part of this faith and have family members that are a part of it, even if you aren't. Um, and they hide all of the messiness and the grossness and the dirtiness of it. And this show seems like it'll be much more open to exploring all of that sort of dark stuff. Well, the one thing I'm interested in seeing in Salt Lake City Housewives is, you know, I I think a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, how are they going to cast that show with Mormons who can't drink and can't do all these things? And would they even be want would they even want to be on reality TV? And it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, of course, in, in this cast, you have Lisa, who says that she's Mormon 2.0. And so she seems like she's, you know, not, you know, she drinks and or I think she drinks. She has a liquor, liquor company. Um so she seems like she's not following all the strict rules. And like you have Heather, who it seems like she's sort of questioning whether she wants to be Mormon and leave mm-hmm. the church. You have Whitney, who actually left the church after her affair. And I think that's it for them. And then you have Jen, who's converting from uh, Mormon to, uh, to Islam. And um, I think that's, I'm interested to see how they cover the show and how they, how they kind of broach the topic with women who, with at least a couple of them who are either have leaving, are leaving now or have already left the church, I think will be very interesting to focus on them. Yeah, I agree with that. I think people have a very sort of like surface level on paper idea of what it means to be a Mormon from Salt Lake City, from Utah. Like, you know, they're all 
obsessed with God and they don't drink and they're all blonde. And it's like, people have these very sort of like, um, just like shallow views of these people. And it's like, yeah, when you, you, you explore it more, it's like, wow, there's all these different facets of the church and all of these, you know, the church is just one thing that spider graphs off all of these different, um, sort of families. And like, for example, so Chloe Sevigny's character on Big Love, you know, she was one of four wives and her, her, she represents this, like the blue blood. She's like, if you guys watch Sister Wives, she's more like the Robin. Her family is like very pure. And like, <laughs> you know, if that makes sense, like she's comes from a really traditional family and, you know, she had, um, you know, a million moms and, you know, like hundreds of brothers and sisters and she was like just one degree separated from uh like i forget what they call it but the area of utah where like it is where most of the polygamous families live you know like okay. the, the uh, warren jeffs of it all um and then there are other wives who like are not close to that at all and they grew up with one mom and Maybe they have a, a grandmother who was a part of the faith. So it is very, it's much more complex, I think, than people than people think. Like, they're not all the exact same. And I really like that they, I, I like the way that they cast this show, like, a lot. It's really, really diverse and really interesting for that area. Well, what's fun about Salt Lake City, too, with the Housewives is, I agree with you, it's, it's the most diverse, you know, Housewives show that, I guess we've had at least in their first season, right? I mean, to first of all, I think with Jen alone, we have our first Tongan housewife, yeah. um, or Hawaiian housewife. We have our first Muslim housewife. Um, I think that's great. It's so interesting, and obviously, way more diverse than we expected it to be, or at least I expected it to be. Totally. Oh my like, god. I was like, I was like, oh wow. Like when I actually saw the cast, I was like, this is great, mm-hmm. and it's not, and it's not reactionary. Like I think that's something that's really important to know. Like. I think, you know, as much as I'm so glad that New York has their first, you know, Black housewife and and that Garcelle is the first Black housewife of Beverly Hills and we have our first Asian housewife of Beverly Hills with uh, Crystal Kung-Minkoff. It's, it's something that took so long to happen. It shouldn't have taken 10 seasons for Beverly Hills to cast a woman of color. It shouldn't have taken 13 seasons mm-hmm. for a woman of color to be cast in New York. It's quite frankly embarrassing that it took that long because it does, because, you know, that's not, you know, as much as I love the cast of New York, uh, New York City Housewives, not only white women, it's like more than just, you know, white women living there, obviously. Totally. Um, and I think it just was, it took way too long. And it, it was, appro- it, it, I'm glad that they ultimately are rectifying as much as they can and starting to add more women of color to the various housewife cities. What I like about Salt Lake City is that it wasn't, it didn't, it doesn't feel like it was reactionary. It's, it, they in this case, they filmed the show last year. They had already found just a group of women that, were great and interesting and diverse and that's great like you know what i mean by that when yeah, I say totally. no yeah it's very like um it's like oh you guys have been asking for this for a million years so here it is we're finally going to give it to you it's like bait it's almost like baiting it's like it's gross the way that this had to happen like especially i think of all the cities i think specifically new york like sure maybe you have a hard time finding a black woman that lives in coda de casa but you are in new York fucking city and you guys have chosen and you know it's so it's crazy it's like even if you remove race from it it's like 
you've chosen to show this very specific group of women who go to about five places in the city. They don't leave the <laughs> Upper East Side. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. why? Like, why? Why can't we? This is New York. Oh, my. It's like, and the fact that Leah coming on and her, like, living in an apartment that isn't, you know, designed by fucking little Edie. It's like, that's really crazy that that's such a big deal for us. It's actually, yeah, like you said, it's uh, it's fucked up. And it is very reactionary in the sense of, like, you know, it's our first Black housewife. It just feels like that. And it's like, ugh. You know, I, I think that it puts someone like Ebony in a tough position now as the first Black housewife to also be the only Black housewife on that show's history and just in that current cast. And I know it kind of delves into a lot of racial politics there. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I can't even begin to explain, but I definitely think it puts like someone like Ebony and also Garcelle in an interesting position where, you know, they are the only Black person in the room. And I think Garcelle addressed it really well in the Beverly Hills reunion this year where like she... You know, even when she was doing interviews where she was saying, I, do you remember when Garcelle was saying in the press that she felt like people were almost uncomfortable to be honest with her? Yeah. Because she was the only Black housewife in the cast. And like she would, I think she felt that they'd be worried that anything that they would say would, you know, it would be elevated to a new level because she's the only Black housewife. And it's, and that's a tough position to put that cast member in that one, that one woman of color that you have on the show. And that's, that's the other issue is like, you can't, it's, it's tough. Like as much as it's great that Bravo is finally adding a black housewife to New York city, it's tough because it's certainly, it doesn't fix any of the mistakes they've made. And it's certainly, it's interesting to me. It, it's sad that Ebony, unfortunately is the only person of color in that cast. Now it's like, it's great that you have one, like kind of, and I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, it's great you have one, but like we, you know, what about right, what's right. next? But but the question is, what is next, right? I mean, I think that's a valid question. It's like, okay, great, thank you for adding your first black housewife, but you know, now she's the only woman of color in the room. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's definitely you can't deny that it's interesting that like the most white, what should be the most white city, Salt Lake City, ends up being like totally what people it's like the complete opposite of what anybody expected you know oh absolutely <laughs> it's That's like well great to see is i i no i love that they like totally like subverted the idea of like what it means to be like a, a a utah woman a salt lake city housewife like i think they did a great job and one of the things that i was interested in seeing in the cat i had heard that one of the casting mandates had put out for the show is that the women that they wanted to cast had to be business women because mm -hmm. i think okay. they were they wanted to find women that we're just subverting the idea of what it meant to be like a Utah woman, like a Utah totally. housewife. And so they did. I mean, I'm thinking about like all the things that women do. So like Lisa has her business or businesses. Meredith mm -hmm. has her jewelry line. Um, I, lines, and that's not even true. She has like her store. It's like a whole business. Um, I, I thought Jen, they didn't really talk about it in the first episode, but I thought she worked in like marketing or something or like, or that she had some sort of like PR company. I think we'll see. Cause I think she, I think she works. I think she has her own business. And like Heather has the beauty lab and even Mary being the pastor and like having that church. I'm like, okay, like it's definitely who did I miss? Whitney. I don't know what Whitney does. To oh, Whitney has know. her own business. She has what her is her, her business? Lab. Oh, okay. beauty lab. Okay. I don't think they explored in episode one, but she like posts about it on her Instagram. I stalked all of them. Well, let's just like, let's, let's get into the cast since we're here. Yeah. Do you want to start with, uh, who should we start with? Like, start with Lisa? Sure. Let's start with her. Okay. Um, I'm going to be honest. It's going to take me a minute to just right off the top of my head know the difference between Lisa and Meredith. 
Like, okay. even when they a were lot of people seem to think. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I did laugh when they, like, were talking about how much they look alike and how everyone thinks they're the same and have the same mannerisms. And it just cuts to the both of them, like, laughing, like, the same way. Yeah, like, when they were ordering the drink at the bar together at the party, I was like, wait, when they're together, I Who's legitimately am like, who is who? Like, fuck. Um, I know. But, yeah, I, I really, I, I honestly, I'm just going to say this before we even get into all of them. I don't dislike so far anybody. Like, I really enjoyed every I enjoyed seeing everybody if that makes sense like I enjoyed everybody's story I thought they all had really interesting um interesting backgrounds and oh yeah I was not bored by anybody on that cast I'll tell you that no not at all and I like that Lisa is like this like New Yorker who lives there who like just feels so out of place but isn't (laughs) (laughs) yes I agree I I I think you know, we're gearing up for that storyline between Lisa and I guess Heather and they're like kind of interesting rivalry, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole storyline with Lisa is that she claims that she does not know, she did not remember Heather from college at BYU and Heather's like, that's not true. And then Lisa made that like weird comment about Heather being like, um, what did she even say about her again? That she was like a good time girl or something? A good she, time like, girl? Some- yeah, which, like, I guess Heather took to mean that, like, she was a party girl or something. And Heather's like, that's not true. Um, Lisa, I don't know what to make of her. I do like her so far. Um, I did laugh when she and her whole family seemed to have gotten Sonic at, you know, what looked to be eight in the morning. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, I was like, oh, my God. I love people who go to multiple fast food restaurants to fill every vice. I love that. No, I do love that. And, yeah, I love that for her. She's, of course, like, she's like, I'm not the typical mom. I'm not cooking for anybody. I'm not doing any of that. And I'm yeah. not changing. She made me laugh so hard when, like, what did she say? It was so funny. I wish I could remember because it was legit funny where she was talking about her business. Like, her, like, <laughs> just her, first of all, her listing her various tequila businesses where she's like, Vita Tequila. Yeah. Like, it was, like, a bunch of, like, one of them was Ola Tequila. Ola Tequila. <laughs> Vita Tequila. There was, like, a lot of, just, like, random Spanish words. And then she's like, and we're making a vodka. Yeah. And a vodka. Coming soon. And a vodka. Um, <laughs> I really laughed when she was talking about how she like didn't care if people judged her. I guess for like having a business, like she was like, it only matters that I don't care. <laughs> so whatever she said, like made me really laugh. Right. No. Yeah. She was. Uh, she was amazing. Like I really liked her. Her talking heads. I was trying to figure out. Of course, I'm always trying to figure out who's the Bethany, who's the person that narrates the show, who is the person that is. Who are we going to see this show through? Jen certainly thinks we're seeing the show through her. Totally. I was like, okay, so it (laughs) feels like Jen thinks that this is her show, but she's actually going to end up being like, feeling like a countess role where she always thinks that she's being fabulous and chic, but she's like sort of the jester, if you will. Like she's the the fool in a lot of ways. The jester. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so true. And it's actually, that's the funniest thing you've ever said. Yes, you're right. She's, she's, she's I think Jen is someone who like so I mean interesting enough the show does open with Jen so like we first meet Jen and it does seem like the show it seems like the whole group like she's almost the nucleus um Mm -hmm. or and then it seems like it seems like her and Heather are the nucleus and I do think that maybe Heather is the one that might be the Bethany for us um maybe maybe I'm wrong what do you think no I I, I don't mean to jump around with all these women but like you know that's okay I I got the same feeling I felt like Heather probably was going to be 
the narrator of the show, especially the thing that sold me where I was like, okay, so this is her show was when she talked about how connected and rooted she is in the Mormon faith and that she comes from this very pure bloodline and how her family is like iconic, but like she has only ever really dated black men and loves gay people and loves to party and loves to get drunk. And like, I don't know, I was like, okay, so she's like, I could just see her being our eyes. It just kind of made sense. She definitely was the one that I felt like I could relate to the most. Like she felt like the way, like she felt like, it felt like we could follow her and like get, you know, this understand this world through her. She just felt the most relatable. I had the feeling that she was going to be the Bethany in this one particular moment because, um, and we can talk about all the women, but like, I don't mean to jump around, but this one Heather moment where I was like, okay, this show's about Heather um, is what happened. It was at the party. It was at Jen Shaw's party for Meredith. And basically Heather had told us, like Heather found out by, from Jen that Lisa was going around saying to the women that like she didn't really know her, which like is a little embarrassing because Heather certainly said in the scene to Jen that like they knew each other from college and they have all this, they have this 20 year history, right. knew each other for a long time. Like they made it seem like they had some sort of relationship and Lisa literally is like, oh, I don't remember her at all. <laughs> like It was like the complete opposite. And so when Jen was telling Heather this right before the party and Heather was like clearly like flabbergasted, she then goes into the party that night and Heather like says hi to Lisa who like kind of sort of snubs her. Like it was strange. It wasn't, it looked like they were almost snubbing each other, but Heather took it as if like Lisa was really snubbing her. And Heather was like, well, you know what? Like, I don't know what Lisa's problem is with me, but this is what I feel like is like a lot of Mormon women are doing it after I got divorced, which is like, I don't fit the mold. I'm not, I'm mm. not really Mormon. I got divorced. Like, this is, I feel judged. And that, when that happened, I was like, okay, this show's about Heather. Got it. Totally. She's the, that's, she, that's she's where the I was Greek like, chorus. Her. Yeah. I was like, this is about her, like being the outcast and like leaving the more, like, cause it looks like Heather's storyline clearly is that it's, she's going to be leaving the Mormon community. I think they've mentioned it a few times. And I think Heather certainly referenced it. Is that like, she's going to pull away from the church. Yeah. And because of that alone, I'm like, okay, so this whole journey is going to be through her eyes for the most part, in my yes. opinion, which I like, I liked her. I loved her. I was like, I'm obsessed with her. I didn't think Me that too. I would like these women so much, but I was like, wow, I really, really like her. Um, I warmed to her quickly. I thought she was great. She's so funny. She was sort of like a natural storyteller. I thought I was mm -hmm. really interested to hear about her family history. Like I was really interested to hear what she had to say about like the Mormon background. And I thought that she spelled out Mormon rules and like sort of doctrine in a way that was just very accessible, which I loved. I thought like I understood, I understood where she was coming from and I liked that she was showing us her perspective. Like I laughed of course, when she was saying that like about Mary that, you know, cause Mary's, you know, married to her step grandfather which I know we'll get to Mary. Yeah. But um, when Heather made that comment and just about like, oh, you know, in, in Mormon, in the Mormon church, we, we get away with a lot of weird shit, but like, not like that. Like, it's just funny. Like she's just like a natural storyteller and like clearly very relatable. And she has the nice three daughters and she's also the only divorced one. Which I'll, to make, yeah. makes me think you're either, to be the only divorced one in a show of all married women, it usually either means in this case that you're like basically the protagonist or you're the villain. And in this case, yeah. she looks like she's clearly the protagonist. Yeah, I really liked too when she was talking about how, <clears throat> she was like, I love to drink. I love getting drunk. And like, it's like she, when she's like, there's either Mormons like me who are very open about the fact that they drink and then they get judged by everybody or you're the Mormons who do the judging, but you get alcohol and you take it into the corner and you notice throughout the night that they're more and more drunk, but they're pretending not to be. Like, I was like, oh, she's like <laughs> legitimately really funny. Like, I was like, I'm obsessed with her. 
she's really funny and she doesn't feel put on. Like the one thing I will say about, you know, Jen, and I like Jen. And again, the show opens with Jen. Like she, it seems like Jen is sort of the nucleus. Like Jen is someone who has this fabulous chalet and she's, she's funny and, you know, she's great. But Jen's very over the top in a way that like, I actually think she would be like that in real life. But there's also very clearly a sense that she's doing this for housewives. And of course I appreciate it. I don't think it's a bad thing. I love it. I think it's great. I do think that when, I think that Jen is, she's putting on a show, which she should, which is fun. That's what we love to see, but it definitely, it, it makes me interested to see how she like sustains that energy throughout the, like her run this season. You know what I mean? Because she definitely comes in and I, as the, um, not quite like the Bethany, uh, she's not the Bethany to me, but she comes in very much like a, I hate to say this because she's so disgraced now because she, she's terrible, but um like the Leanne Locken of, of Salt Lake City. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's like uh, Do you know what I mean? Unaware. Like that first season? Yeah, like a little bit, you can tell like volatile, like when she, like in that trailer where she like throws a glass on the floor. Mm-hmm. And like she very clearly came in wanting to be the star of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And she's like filming as the star of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And we'll probably find out halfway through the show that she was edited to, actually look like a fool because she like I I liked her but I very quickly get exhausted of like that kind of personality on these shows like the one who is like I'm over the top and fabulous it's like all right girl like you know what I mean it's a it's a lot I know a lot of people on Twitter seem to really love her, which like, I, again, I liked her. I thought it was great. And I think, I, but like I said before, I'm curious to see how that energy kind of like where she goes throughout the season, because at the end of the day, like that sort of energy can burn out really quickly or it can, or it can soar. But in some cases it does sort of burn out. And I think that, you know, she's clearly someone who was going in saying that she's the queen of Salt Lake City and that mm-hmm. she's like, everyone has to come to a Jen Shaw party. Um, and reminded me of Sheree. Remember she, like first season Sheree on Atlanta where that first episode was yes. at Sheree's party and she's like, oh, I, th- I throw such fabulous parties in Atlanta and Nene wasn't <laughs> invited. It is very, like, it's very Jen Sheree. Jen has like that energy times like a hundred. It's very, very first Sheree. season Sheree. And the reality is like, and the thing is when you say things like I'm the queen of salt, like any housewife who kind of comes in with that energy of like I'm the queen of this or that, yeah, they're usually not like in reality like you know they're usually or they're or they're usually alienated or isolated they find out they kind of their storyline really usually is that they find out they're not really the queen of anything you know what i mean yeah. like it's i think that's you know what eventually happened with um oh gosh i'm trying to think of like has that kind of energy like sheree had that energy in season one of atlanta but someone who like really like who would jen remind who does jen remind you of like in terms of like the energy she has like what like over the top housewives there's so many like for some reason like getting going blank for a sec not one specifically but she kind of reminds me of like a married to medicine cast member oh yeah do you know what i mean by that she reminds me of mariah actually yeah like she's got mariah quad vibes like and mariah had a hard downfall yeah like she's almost like a hybrid of like a mariah quad but also like a little bit of a lisa nicole because she's like clueless yes I, I think also, I think, I think, I, I do think that like Heather and Jen give me like Jill, Zarin, Bethany Frankel energy. And I think like with like Jen very much being the Jill in the sense that like Jen is the nucleus, that's very clear, but like in some way, but at the same yeah. time, like, of course, Jill had a really hard downfall. Mariah and Mary Smith had a really hard downfall. 
Leanne Locken on Dallas, I know it compared her to Leanne only because like she seems like she has a little bit of Leanne energy. Um, Leanne just Leanne Leanne her energy actually rose her like kind of shot her up to fame not within the cast but just simply on the show like the audience loved her and the cast hated her and then of course Leanne outed herself to be a racist and you know that was you know then she then that was her downfall right but, um but that sort of first season energy of Leanne I, I get that vibe from Jen too and I like her I'm curious to see how it turns out because it does seem like she's sort of like the real troublemaker of the season or at least the most volatile one or at least outwardly so because she's the one that they keep showing in the promo like smashing glasses and like screaming and like splashing water yeah, she seems like she seems like she's the one that's gonna give you the most. Just like, you know, she gives you sound bites and stuff. Like, th- like you said, like throwing glasses and shit. Like, she's a she seems like she's gonna be amazing TV. And I hope it doesn't seem like I don't, I don't, I like I don't like her. I do. I think she's uh, I think she's interesting. But I just think I can already t- like tell that I'll tire of her real easy. Yeah, I mean, I think we like her. And I what I would also would say about Jen is like, like we said before, I mean, like, I think that kind of energy can burn out really quickly on a show. And like, it might, it might be, we might get exhausted very quickly. I mean, it was great for like a first episode because it was sort of like a quick, like, it was just sort of like a jolt of adrenaline. Like, that's Jen. Like, she's just like a complete jolt of adrenaline. And yeah. it's fun to watch. But I'm curious to see how it sort of sustains itself because I have no idea. I can tell you that a, a Jen Shaw party was certainly interesting it yeah. <laughs> I, yes i didn't really know what to make of it to be honest i can tell you right or now her, that like, I, three assistants i already can tell that i'm going to be a meredith marks kind of gal like oh yes i'm i really really like meredith marks a she lot her just immediately within seconds within she sounds like leah remini she sounds exactly like Leah Remini. And when she said, like, I, 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 it didn't really, like, hit me until she leaned forward in her talking head and said, like, when she was like, when she told me that this party was was happening, I knew it wasn't for me. I was like, oh, my God, she's funny and she sounds like Leah Remini. Like, fuck. Can I just say one thing about Meredith? So I love her. I also love her. I think she's great. Um, I... Meredith is the one I think I've been stalking on Instagram the most prior to the show airing. So here's the weird thing about the show. Did you follow the cast prior to like them announcing the cast? Like, did you like read the rumors of who was going to be on the show? Um, lightly, but I wasn't like obsessing over it. I wasn't obsessing over it, but I was definitely curious and maybe borderline obsessing a little bit. I was just so curious. I wanted to know. So the names that I had heard floated, like at least that were rumored online, were Jen not surprisingly, Jen Shaw, Lisa, and Meredith, for the most part. I think those are like, like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know. I knew those names when they announced the cast. I didn't know about Heather, which is make me laugh because she's like clearly the star, but I did not hear her name floated around a lot when they were mm-hmm. casting or like when they were filming. And I had not heard of Mary until they announced the cast. Um, I had heard like a few of the names floated that like, I, that I'll get into, I think, when we talk about the party. But but for the most part, like, those, like, Jen, Meredith, and Lisa were the ones I had heard of. So I was talking Jen on Instagram prior to her being, like, prior to them announcing the cast. Her Instagram fascinates me. Her whole world fascinates me. I love her. I don't know if she would like me. Like, she's someone who, like, I can't tell if she's a nice woman or if she's, like, hard or, like, nice to some people like what her energy i can't figure out but i love it i love her yeah agreed and i feel like it's i i that plays into why maybe i like her because i love women that are like i love women that come off as cold initially but then you realize that they're like not 
So it's like a weird thing to say, but I always love women like that on reality TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I love women like on reality TV, and like I, the fact that we get to see like her marriage on the show, I think it's fascinating. Like I'm interested to see what her weird dynamic is with her husband. I love her son. <laughs> I mean, her son is like very clearly going to be a breakout star in the show. He is shown very clear signs of iconic behavior within the first episode like iconic very so iconic funny <laughs> oh my god he was yes. so funny when he planned that that like flower thing and he was like well i did it but dad paid for it and she like hugged him because it was really like him that did it like <laughs> <laughs> i just loved it so much i'm loving this family it was like the opening scene with her isn't that okay i will say this and this is the only criticism i have of meredith and meredith if you are listening i'm so sorry to say this because i think she has fabulous taste i think she dresses so well what's going on with the house oh I know. what is that house what is that i know i so here's the thing you. about meredith i don't know exactly what's going on there to me it's like i know that she said she lives part-time in salt lake city and like part-time in chicago to me, her home screams like this is my vacation home and I'm here for the show. Right. But she does have but she does have a business in Salt Lake City. So like she's certainly like, I don't think like I don't think like, it's not I don't think it's like a Tinsley Mortimer situation where like she doesn't live in New York but only comes up to film the show. Like I don't think it's quite like that. I think that like Meredith and her family clearly like live there part-time. Maybe that's just their taste and I don't want to criticize, but like I'm not I just couldn't it felt like the most cold environment like that at home feels like the coldest home <laughs> it was very cold it was very like we don't spend a lot of time here yeah like I it looked like not even like a model home exactly it didn't look like a staged home it just looked like it looked like no one lives there agreed yeah it was weird her but that's her... Meredith like that's her vibe like that is her like I'm, I'm also not surprised that that's her house like that actually makes sense to me like she wouldn't have a homey like warm home no, it, it was like, um, it was like a museum home. Yes, it, it was like a museum home, very much so. I, I don't know what I expected the home to look like. I didn't expect it to be that. I don't know why. I think I expected it to look like Lisa's house. Um, wait, I, 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 I already, like, I already, no, I already like forgot. Like I already, it's like, you say, it's like, I know the names of these women already, which is weird, but it's like Lisa and Meredith is going to kill me. I know. Okay, so think Vita Tequila for Lisa. Okay, All and right. her and her home and her, her home with the two boys, the two sons. Okay, okay, and I'm gonna think. Fast Remember food that house? Me. Like, I felt like I yeah, getting the fast food in the morning. I felt like Meredith's home would look like that. I don't know why. I just like had a vibe. I just like had a vibe. Or I thought that Meredith's house would look like maybe like Jen's huge chalet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't so know. I think the houses. I am really. I really like the setting. I think it's really just interesting to watch the women drive through what looks yeah. like a place that they would vacation like it yes. looks like a place where one of the housewives or like one of the house of cities would go on a trip like a skiing trip or something but they like live there and they drive through snow and mountains to get everywhere like it's just it's just interesting I agree. I think I actually heard someone make that same point where it's like, it's, it's funny to have a housewife city, like finally that is like, it's just like actually a vacation spot. Yeah. Like feels like one, which I agree with you. I think it's great. Like I remember like when the housewives of Beverly Hills went to like Colorado and like, we just, I, I, I kind of forgot that we've only really had housewife shows on the 
coast, right? I mean, and then the South, like with, you know, the coast and then the South, but we have never had a housewife show in that region of the country. Um, And I love it. I think it's great. Like I I was actually pretty, I was like more taken aback by the setting than I thought it would be and sort of like amazed by it, especially because we rarely see housewives like in the middle of like snow. So to watch like Jen Shaw, like walk in her heels in the middle of like (laughs) hard snow, I was like, I've just never seen this before. No, it was weird. And like watching them drive up to the party and like they were driving through like plowed snow mounds. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this is so weird. And they were all getting out in like little tiny dresses, but like you could see their breath. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like I... It was it was great to watch. I'm I'm loving the setting. I am loving, it. and it was gorgeous. You know, like that B roll, the B roll shots. I just love because you know I love a good housewives B roll shot of them just like looking over the city. I love it. Let's talk about. I'm gonna save um, Mary obviously for as like the last person that we like really get into. But like, Thank let's you. talk about uh, let's talk about Whitney Rose. She's the only one that we haven't really like touched on really. So Whitney Rose is the housewife that I thought would be cast on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City when they totally. announced it. Absolutely. That's Whitney. So they got one. They got one for it. It's like Whitney Rose and like Whitney and maybe, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else in Salt Lake City that I'd be like, oh yeah, she's a Salt Lake City housewife. Honestly, not Heather. I feel like the answer would be Heather, but like not even really her. Mm-mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone like Lisa. Not quite Lisa, but someone like Lisa. Because I they do like to have a transplant. Like they do like to have someone who's like not from the city who like right there. So like Lisa makes sense to me that they would cast her that she's like from New York, but she lives here. Like I get that. I, mean, I guess same with Meredith who's from Chicago, but you know what I mean? But Whitney Rose is the exact type of housewife that I thought would be on the show. And I love her. I love seeing her. I love seeing that. Um, I love how they open up with the vow renewal, which is like obviously like the kiss of death for her marriage. Um, I like how they tried to trick us and to make us think that they were getting married for the first time. And we find <laughs> out that it's simply a vow renewal. I'm like, okay, big one. Like we don't know this woman. So it's not quite that I was like, whoa, you tricked me. Right. <laughs> um, but her backstory fascinates the hell out of me. It really does. Yeah, she's, um, I think the fact that she is the only, tr- like, really, truly sort of traditional, almost cliche in quotes, uh, casting choice makes her story more interesting. Because if it was a bunch yes. of women like, exactly like her, who all talked like Stephanie from Dallas. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stephanie energy. Like, it wouldn't be as interesting. But the fact that she is the one tra- very like traditional idea of what it means to be a Mormon girl from Salt Lake City, it makes her crazy fucking life even more fascinating. And I don't know, she uh, she feels that that thing that I was looking for, I was talking about earlier, where I'm like, I'm really obsessed with like the bloodline thing and, you know, the whole like family line and, you know, having, you know, to live in a place where like you're, great 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 grandfather is mentioned all the time because that's how prominent you like your weird family history is like yeah she's really 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 fascinating to me and she just seems she made me laugh so hard I mean just in that one scene alone where she was like where she realized she wasn't supposed to be telling uh she wasn't supposed to be telling Mary like what was going on. And she's like, oh yeah, I think I just realized that I wasn't supposed to tell you. Oh. <laughs> she's like, check your text and see if you got a text. Cause then if you got one, that means that you're invite included. But if not, it means you weren't supposed to be. Like she's just like I just love how they I just love, first of all, that Mary 
Whitney dynamic, that duo was the most chaotic duo I've ever seen. I was like, wait a second, like, are they friends? I was like, what is going on here? Like, I was obsessed with it too, because I did not expect Mary to come on the show as a friend of Whitney. I don't know. I just like didn't expect it because I just like seeing Whitney in the, uh, seeing like Whitney in the trailer and seeing Mary in the trailer. I was like, these two, seeing that they're actually buddies, I was like, okay, like this is an iconic and very, very chaotic duo. Like, yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on there or what they talk about. It made me laugh that Whitney's like, I just gotta take a break for a second and check her phone. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just do, I do feel like for the two of them, like, it's just, Mary probably is a lot. Like, she's a lot, she's the best energy, but a lot of it. So Mary, Whitney just needed a moment to check her phone, just check out for a moment. And that's, of course, when she reveals, like you said, the you know, that Jen invited her and she's like, I wasn't supposed to say anything. The thing that fascinates me about Whitney is that in another, like, if they casted the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City the way that I thought they would have casted the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Whitney would have been, like, the outsider character who, like, got excommunicated from the church. And, like, that was her big storyline. She was, like, the outsider for that reason. And I love how that's really not the case on this show. Like, do you, you know what I mean? Like, her, her and Heather would have been, which, by the way, I love that they revealed their cousins. Um, but the fact that, like, her and Heather would have been cast as, like, the two women on this show that, like, oh, they're the outsiders because of their ch- relationship with the church. Like, like I just like how that's not really the dominant. Like, as much as, like, that was interesting to listen to, that was certainly not, like, the dominant storyline on this episode. And, like, in any other universe, that would have been the dominant storyline for the show. Yeah, agreed. And I also really, the thing that I liked about um, about Whitney is that she is so, I mean, you could tell she was just sort of like uh, so unapologetic about her life. Like yeah. she wasn't trying to, you know, make people feel comfortable about what her decisions are. She was more just like, this is my life. Yes, this guy's old. I know it doesn't look like we would be together. I actually am fucking obsessed with him. Uh, She's only 32, by the way. Yeah, like what? I know, I was like, holy shit. That blew me away, but um, she's like Ashley and Candace's age. I just really liked her. Like she just felt very warm and and I I liked the unexpected friendship between her and Mary. Like that's just so wacky and <laughs> it's just so weird to picture them like confiding in each other. <laughs> I'm still laughing at it because I'm just picturing them at that lunch. That was just such a great scene. It was amazing. Um, oh wait, I, I wasn't supposed to tell you. and like mary walking in those like yellow tights or something i was like this is amazing yeah i agree and like i just (laughs) whitney um i agree with you i like that she's very unapologetic about her life um she seems like a lovely kind soul i don't know what to make of her husband another reason by the way why heather is clearly the star of the show is because she was the one at that you know uh, at the Val renewal and she's like you know Whitney's my cousin I just love how she was like you know they had an illicit torrid affair and you know she was excommunicated from the church like that's like Heather literally guiding us and like this is who this is this is this is who each of them are um which I love um but yeah Whitney seems like a kind soul I did laugh and also was horrified when I was watching her father watch her on the stripper pole oh my god (laughs) that was like a moment (laughs) I was because that was a moment when she was like on the pole and Heather is screaming. She's so excited. You know, Heather's loving it. I love it for her. Um, watching watching Whitney on the pole. And it just, I see, I noticed Whitney's father. I don't, does he have a wig on? What is that? <laughs> it's Salt Lake City. It could be anything. 
I know. Um, yes. And just like watching him cheer her on, I'm like, this is good. This feels right. I will tell you this. I don't know exactly what her husband does for a living. I would love to know. Um, I'd love to know what their workplace situation was like. Because I hate to yeah. say this and like, I don't want to spread a rumor, but like, do you think, isn't Utah like a big place for like MLMs? Oh yeah, totally. I don't know what he does. I have to look it up. I have to look it up. I have to look it up. Yes, I, Cause I'm just, I'm, I want to know if anybody has any relationships to that. There's a reason that Mary from uh, Sister Wives for the, what, the past like five seasons has been heavily, yeah featuring her LuLaRoe business and all of these no, success that has come no. from, oh my God. I like, I know so much more about LuLaRoe. I know everything that is happening <laughs> every season. I know every weird fucking print donut print legging that LuLaRoe is releasing because of Mary. Like, yeah, it's a real, um, and obviously it's like, that's one example, but yeah, that is an area that is very, I think because it's a way for, the women there who don't work to like work. I think that's exactly what it is. And I don't, and by the way, I don't mean to place on him, Whitney. I, I don't know what her husband does. And I was curious to know why they didn't tell us what her husband did. Um, Cause usually they would love to throw in that, like my husband's a venture capitalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't give us that. Instead they were just like, we met at the workplace and we really found love. And like, yeah. that's all we needed to know. <laughs> yeah. That's all we needed to know. But I would love to know if any of the housewives, like on that show specifically, had like any ties to any sort of like MLM kind of stuff. Because I, I agree with you. Like, I, especially like what you just talked about with like Maria and Sister Wives putting the Lula Row. I'm just curious to see what happens. Like, I feel like someone on that show has to have some sort of connection, right? I'm sure we'll find out. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's so much more to come. Let's talk about Mary. <laughs> We gotta talk about Mary. Mary's first scene, as we already teased, she walks into lunch with Whitney, a woman who I did not think she was friends with. Okay. Um, and she walks in with her, like, yellow tights on. And I think she, she's just, she immediately walks in. She's like, I'm very honest. She's like, I'm very honest. And I have no filter. And Whitney decides to remind us in the confessional, oh my gosh, Mary has no filter. Mm-hmm. And she will say whatever she, whatever she thinks whatever comes to mind. <laughs> she's like, she's like, if I'm thinking it, I'll say it. I mean, that's just who I am. If I'm thinking it, I will say it out loud. That's me. The Everybody says, why do you so, say it? Right. The editing was so good because like, you don't know why she like, you know, I don't know exactly what the context was, but we don't even need the context for why she even said that. She just said it. Like, I don't know what exactly happened. She just felt the need to tell us that. And I was happy about that. I'm also obsessed with her being a fully grown ass woman, but like living in this, like, this, like, Blair Waldorf like gossip girl <laughs> fantasy where she she like thinks that she's like a New York City like it girl who like you know what I mean I'm like girl are you wearing quilted Chanel fingerless gloves huh okay oh God. you just hit the nail on the head 100% I did not like you just I couldn't get into words like what exactly was going on with Mary's fashion I was gonna say she dresses like a doll like she dresses like the Eve doll. Remember the like the Tyra Banks Eve doll of life size. <laughs> yeah, that's like kind of what Mary dresses like to me. Does that make any sense, or am I totally off base? No, I get but it. No, the Gossip Girls exactly. That's correct. I'm off base. That is exactly what it is. She dresses like Blair. You're right. She thinks that she's. It's it's hilarious to me. Even the way that she like positions her hands. There's a very like 
mid 2000s it girl way of positioning your hands where you're like they're like turned in holding your phone and you're calling you know what i mean like she's just very <laughs> meredith <laughs> Mer- i was gonna say meredith mary feels like a throwback in some way like i don't know exactly how to explain it she's an energy i've never seen on television before i, I never like i've seen we've seen a lot of chaotic women like, but that's the thing about Housewives. Like, we've seen a lot of chaotic women. Like, women who you've, like, never seen on TV before, or, like, have that kind of energy. I would say Danielle Staub is one of those women. Right. I would say, and uh, there are so many women like this, but Mary is a woman who I've never, I've never seen a woman like Mary on TV, on Housewives. Like, I, she gives me, weirdly enough, and tell me if I'm off, she gives me, like, Danielle Staub energy a little bit, in the sense that she seems chaotic and incredibly unpredictable. Chaotic, unpredictable, and extremely, like, unaware. Like, she's very, like, not self-aware in a way that, yeah, reminds me of just every, like, city's villain, if you will. Yeah, and, like, I think with, I think she reminds me of Danielle a little bit because there's a very, um, Mary, I feel like, is someone who, is very cutting but not in a way that's like fun per se like i will i don't mean to jump the gun here but like when when the the crux of the issue between mary and jen is that the story is so weird mary uh jen went to the hospital to go visit her aunt and be with her who she considers like a mother figure and for whatever reason her poor aunt had to get both her legs amputated i guess I guess Jen went to dinner afterwards with some of the women and Mary had said behind her back that it smells like a hospital, which Mary is very sensitive to a hospital smell because she had, it seems a very traumatizing surgery to remove all of her odor glands. And so whenever there's a hospital smell in the room, she gets very sensitive and like basically near gags. And when Jen was like calling her out on that and like Mary's response to it was to like double down and also in her interview, like on her inner confessional, go in on Mary's, uh, Jen's aunt and say that like, well, why did she get her legs cut off in the first place? Like she I wasn't was, like, eating right. Yeah. I was like, okay, so this is a deeply cruel woman, I guess. Right. Like I kind of, that's when I sort of had that. It was like, okay, like this is a woman who like is very chaotic, but also like a mean person and also is somehow a pastor. 1000%. And the fact that she said, uh, She's like, well, you had gone into. Hu-. She's like, this was my problem. You had gone in to hug me, and you had gotten hospital on me. That was the problem. Um, what? Like, I'm sorry. What? I don't even I will, know what to say. I won't say. I will say. I was wondering how. Like, okay. So it, the one thing I noticed about Salt Lake City is that it seems that the show has filmed. Because remember when they were, like, showing flashbacks, like, six months prior, and it was episode one? I was like, okay, so they were clearly testing this show for, like, a while, or, like, test shooting with these women for a bit, right? Yeah. Because I think the timeline for the show, because Bravo announced it at BravoCon last November, that's when they started filming the season, basically. Mm-hmm. Because, But I guess they had filmed footage, like, six months prior. I guess it's, like, test footage. So I'm not going to lie. I have a hard time seeing Mary and like Meredith crossing paths unless they were doing the show. But the fact that like Jen was like, well, I mean, I didn't want to invite Mary to 
Meredith's birthday party that I'm throwing for her at my house, but Meredith had her on the list, so I had to invite her. I was like, oh. Right. I was like, are Mary and Meredith friends? The dynamics between all the women was just, like, immediately interesting. And I, I love that it, like, this is a city, before we, like, move on, because we do obviously have to talk about Potomac, I love any reality show, whether it's Housewives or not, where the women have a long-standing dynamic between each other where it feels like we as the viewer are just being dropped in between like in the middle of all this existing chaos and the fact that they have this like you know sometimes you wonder like wow are you just being super you you guys are obviously being really petty for the show like on Beverly Hills like they have issues coming up with interesting things to fucking talk about so if somebody sneezes on somebody or something they talk about it for seven months and it becomes a whole thing right Um, and I was like, uh, you know, I always wonder, like, wow, are these women just going to be, like, super petty? But the fact that this hospital thing was something that happened before filming, I was like, right. oh, this is like, this is what's going on in this group, and I'm obsessed. Oh, I just loved all of it so much. I just, it was one of the funniest fights I've ever seen in my life. I mean, so sad for Jen. I'm sad. And I, and I, it's just, like, Mary's insistence on not apologizing for it. And Mary, Mary's so over the place. Like, when Mary was denying that she said it basically. And then that woman, Carrie, who looks like she wanted to be a housewife um, and probably tested for it, sat down and was like, yeah, you did. I did tell her you said that. Oh and yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and then he's like, like, boom. And yeah. Mary's like shook. Mary's like, oh. <laughs> and Mary's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I did say it. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I said it. So what? It's not the hospital. So what? Mary was just completely all over the place and watching Jen and Mary get into just like the beginning of their feud will be very, it was so interesting. I'm just curious to see how it all goes down this season because it looks like that feud just does not end. It wasn't that you smelled like it. It was that you hugged me and you got it on me and I was like, uh, uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> the gagging. My sister was watching me last night and she couldn't stop doing Mar- Mary's gagging at the hospital smell. We were laughing for at least 10 minutes about it. I was like, by the- like, are you kidding me? I, no, I mean, I just, by the way, I just, I, first of all, I love the way Mary kept saying hospital because I, I know people keep pointing this out on Twitter that they weren't saying like the hospital. They were like, it smells like hospital in here. Okay? Yeah. You smell like hospital. <laughs> it reminds me of the way, um, Meredith seems to have her like Chicago Leah Remini slash like borderline European accent. Like it was a little bit Dorit. Yeah. And we're like, there was that one moment where I was like, is she Dorit? Where she, um, oh my God, when Jen was talking, when Jen and Lisa go over to Meredith's house and Meredith's like, I met Jen at a party at Salt Lake. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> her accent was amazing. But yeah, then she like randomly becomes like, Carmela Soprano and I'm like oh okay right it, like veers from like Chicago to like kind of New York and then like somewhere in Europe wherever Dorit thinks that she's from is also kind of where Meredith like seems to hang out in Salt Lake <laughs> well <laughs> um do you have any I guess closing thoughts for the introduction of Salt Lake City just like thank god they're here yeah. I just I'm so happy I'm I, I'm so it feels so nice to go into this like new world with these new women I think bringing new women into the fold is never a bad thing I'm looking forward to the season um I watched what watched happens live with them last night and Andy referenced that they're like oh well 12 weeks to the reunion or something like that and I was like oh yeah it's the first season so they're gonna like wrap it up after 12 episodes unlike the Real Housewives of Atlanta or like Beverly Hills which Atlanta by the way how is that coming back? It just ended. 
I don't know. And I'm like, honestly, I can't believe, like, I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I don't, uh, like, that's a whole nother conversation that we're not getting into today. But like, I'm not, I am not in the mood to watch the women go to a social distancing Cynthia Bailey wedding. I don't care. I don't I'm care not, yet. I don't I care know. yet. And I, I, I will say this really quickly, not even about Atlanta, but about like overall housewives. I think New York is doing it too. Atlanta has five housewives. I know they have 500 friend doves, but like they have five peach holders. And it looks like New York is also going to have about five apple holders. I just want to say that's not enough. Mm-mm. We need we need more. I, 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 I think the housewife standard, and I'm glad that Salt Lake City did this. You need at least six. I don't know why you need at least six. You can have seven. I think we learned that eight's a little too much, but I'm, I'm actually for having eight housewives. I think in some cities they could use it, like Beverly Hills. Um, cities where like i think like more women the better i do think that like new york and atlanta yes great cast and they're all heavy hitters but like oh let's jack it up like i'm like let's bring in more housewives like i'm glad that salt lake city has like a, a nice six yeah agreed agreed yeah i'm re-watching um <clears throat> i'm re-watching uh new york right now <clears throat> and i'm on the season where they go to i'm on the uh be cool, don't be all uncool season. Oh, uh, and it's like, Turks. Yeah, there's like 40 housewives. And I'm like, this is actually like, I love this. I love them just like passing the ball back and forth constantly. Like there's always something in- interesting going on. They're always in these like clusters of two or three or four. Like, it's just like, it just I makes such fast paced, interesting TV. Um, I don't know why they didn't yeah. do it again. Honestly, I don't know why they didn't do that. I mean, I guess they thought that it wasn't because I think they purposely haven't done it again. And it's funny because Atlanta essentially has eight housewives because they have like Drew and then they have like three friend of. So they essentially have eight women, but they just want to say they have five. I, I it's I know I, we have to get into it because I know it's a lot. And it's like somehow like this is the conversation we have itself for five hours, like how many housewives would each show have. But like, I'm just happy that Salt Lake City at least has six. I just feel like I remember when Dallas started off with five and I was like, I want more. Yeah, it's just not enough. It's like too much to ask like that amount of women to carry the all of that the whole time and be interesting. You know, it's just a lot. I um, let's talk about Potomac. Loving it. I'm loving, 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 loving it, loving it. I'm sad that it's yeah, almost right? over. I know. It's uh I'm excited for Potomac because it feels like they've they've officially reached like, you know, after how, what season is this? Five? Five. After five I years, believe. they've officially reached like they they have hit. I mean, I already had thought that they'd hit their stride, but it really feels like people are coming around and realizing that it's like, you know, quite possibly the best housewives city right now. And, you know, the cast is great. Like people are finally warming up to it. And it's not like a secret watch for people anymore. It's like a lot of people's favorite city, which is cool. I love it. It's my favorite city, personally. I think it's great. I think it's the, I think it's the best housewives city. I think it's the best housewives cast. I love all the women um i love all of them i really do like even the ones that, like you would think that like could be kind of boring like like a robin she's great she's needed i want her there mm-hmm. um it's such a great cast it's such a great cast and it's also i think the only housewives cast to have like four that's not true no it might be to have like four of their housewives from like the original season uh, from the first season being like their fifth season oh yeah you're right because it's ashley giselle karen and robin those are heavy hitters. Right. Yeah, I always forget that Ashley's an OG. Ashley's an OG. The first season was about Ashley, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And 
it just feels like the each cast member just kind of gets better as the show goes on like I don't get they don't grow stale I don't get tired of them I don't you know it's not like um it's not like a Ramona thing where like it feels sort of grating to have to deal with them like they get better every (laughs) single year you know like they don't uh they don't overstay their welcome at all and funny enough, like, they're famous women, but the show doesn't feel like... It's weird because, like, it's different watching, like, Housewives of New York where, like, the, all the women, like, you know they're famous. Like, I don't mind knowing that the Housewives are famous. And I, I also don't mind the... Like, I think what a lot of people don't love about New York is that the women have sort of, like, leaned into not only caricatures of themselves, but, like, the only thing they rely... Like, everything that they have in terms of, like, business things are all now, like directly related to the show which is like uh, most housewives like have that now but like with new york i think a lot of people felt like it was especially evident this year with like luann's cabaret and like Mm -hmm. i don't know like so ramona's like skin i don't know i don't know with potomac it doesn't it feels like we're in the real world it doesn't feel like we're in this like weird like you know in new york city it felt like we're in this like weird housewives in new york city like film set which i love i love it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it feels not exactly like the real new york which is why like leah coming in like completely shook things up with potomac it feels like we're in the real world like it feels like these women could still be friends without the cameras it's easily the most relatable city like yeah. to somebody who doesn't I mean, it's, I feel like it's weird. It's relatable to people with money and affluence, but it's also relatable to people without it. Like when I watch Robin show up to a dinner party in like a Kohl's like maxi dress. Five hours like, late. Five hours late with like, you know, some Jessica Simpson sunglasses that she got on sale at Macy's. I'm just like, Love. you know what? I like, they all really feel like women that I like know, like that I grew up with that I've like known my whole life, which is weird. Um I feel the same way about them. I really do. I also feel like the interesting thing about, I was listening to Giselle on a podcast recently. I don't remember what it was. It may have been Behind the Velvet Rope. Um, But she was, yeah, it was. And she was talking about, uh, you know, the differences between their city and a lot of other cities. And obviously, like, they are... Even in many ways, even so, like they're probably always going to be considered like an underdog housewife city, um, which is just, so irritating because they're the best ones. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you'll love this point. She was saying that, like in Beverly, you know, Beverly Hills is a city that pretty much everybody universally watches. Like, if you watch Housewives, it's likely that you watch Beverly Hills, um, no matter where you come from or who you are, what race you are, gender. Like, it's a universal city and it's easily the worst of all of them at the moment right and she was like you know with us being a cast of black women in a town that people barely know like we don't have the opportunity and we don't have the ability to just coast and you know argue for five months about a dog like we don't have that we don't get to do that. Like if we did that, people would hold us to a completely different standard. Like we really have to work hard at, you know, being entertaining and like putting on an entertaining program. And like Beverly Hills does fucking nothing and their ratings are always through the roof and the show, it's a show about nothing. And I think that them being the under underdog has made them a better show. Whereas Beverly Hills just sort of coasts on being Beverly Hills and showing up to places in Marquesa. And it's like, I don't fucking care that Erica Jane wore latex to a, another T. Do you know what I mean? I agree with you. And I actually remember when Giselle said this, and I think it was a, such a great point that like, there are different standards for quite frankly, the black housewives cast. 
than yeah. other housewives cast. And it's just a real thing. And I think a lot of people didn't want to acknowledge that for whatever reason. Um, but it has to be acknowledged. Like there are so many different standards for, you know, the Atlanta and Potomac than the other housewife cities. And I agree with you that, you know, and I agree with what Giselle said that for, you know, the Potomac housewives in a city that people did not know really before the show started. Yeah, there were definitely, I think they had a lot of pressure placed on them to create the show and to kind of like seemingly work harder to create a better show or at least harder in the sense, cause it's not like the Beverly Hills women don't work hard. It seems that they think they work hard by putting on the show that they do, right. but mm-hmm. it's not exactly what we want. Like, I don't want to see Erica Jane getting glammed up and calling that one episode. I just don't want to see it. Like, that's not what I, that's not what we mean by working hard right? For, to like, keep us entertained. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I do think that they think that they're killing it. Um, oh, I mean, Lisa Rinna thinks she's doing the best job ever on that show. Yeah, and to be fair, she she kind of is. It's like, thank God for her. Yeah. Because that I shit agree. is boring. As much as, as much as I did not like Lisa Rinna this season, but yes, I agree with you that like she's, if anyone should be like patting themselves on the back for putting on a show, it would be, it'd be Rinna. It should you, be Rinna at least. What do you think of uh, Wendy? You know, here's the thing about Wendy. I like Wendy. Um, I like her. I like her. I like Wendy. I go very, I'm very back and forth on Wendy because it seems like the fans on Twitter, like she's getting sort of like a mixed reaction from. I like her as a person. I think she's a good cast member. I think she was like, I love, I love the fact that she, I love the fact she's a political commentator. I think that's fabulous. I think that's great. Um, I was watching some of her clips actually before the season started. Um, and I think it's really cool that we have a professor on the show. I think as a cast member, we had, I didn't have the best taste of her when she was like going after Ashley for like no reason. Right. Um, and I think now we're at the point of the season where like the women are starting to call her out for the fact that she seems to like, like when she was trying to like have a moment with Karen where she was like, I have four degrees and you have nothing. And Karen like literally handed her her ass back to her. Right. <laughs> And kind of like the best, one of Karen's kind of like best moments where she was like, I don't have four degrees. I don't even have one degree, but like I have good business sense and like I have all this, this and this and like, you know, there's stuff that you can't buy. I was like, good for Karen. I was like, wow. Like, because I do like Wendy, but I do sometimes go back and forth with her, especially now when she's sort of like, I think inserting herself very much into this Monique Candace situation and kind of, I think being very... I think she's putting Monique in a very tough position mm-hmm. and kind of being the judge and jury a little bit of like how Monique needs to represent black women. I was like, okay, like Wendy's very much like, you know, like going with that argument and like running with it for the season. And I'm that's what I'm starting to kind of think like, you know, I wish, I wish, I wish it wasn't like that. I wish, you know what I mean? Like, what do you think? And I'll go into it more because I, I was about to go into a whole tangent. Um. Well, my thoughts on it sort of piggyback off of uh, I was listening to Kara Berry and Monty from, from the Mixie with Monty podcast talk about this and yeah. they said that uh, and I feel the exact same way I feel like <clears throat> you know why is it you know it's like on every other city like any any kind of like crazy fuck shit can happen like Teresa can go to prison for you know on television Uh, extorting money with her husband she takes no accountability she still to this day says that she did nothing wrong and that she you know her husband did it and that's just fine and it's just tree and like all these crazy things can happen to these women on all these shows and 
this is a show about like women who like act inappropriately and like behave badly really and but when it comes to Potomac for some it's like they're expected to like rise above and be above all of the stuff it's like no this is housewives like okay you got into a fight we've seen worse fights on housewives i consistently bring up the christening where there's like i mean can you if that was a, a black religious whatever and there was a bunch of families there and we were watching babies be dropped and and little girls tug at their fucking parents who are ignoring them to fight and you know like old people being knocked into walls and shit it would be a completely different situation and that was just fine and it's like I just don't agree that because these women are black they need to be on some different level or like they should be held to some different standard because they're black it's like no you are housewives and you guys got into a hair pulling fight it's been happening for 10 years well I think it's sort of like the respectability politics of it all where it's like why it's like I think Monique obviously she was wrong for getting into a physical fight and attacking Candace like I get it like Monique was in the wrong for attacking her but you know I think for Giselle and Robin and Wendy to say that she's a bad representation of black women and a bad and a bad um role model for her daughter I think it was I think it's a lot to put that on someone on national television to put on Monique that she's a bad representation of black women and that she has to hold herself above the standard it's one of those things and again with respectability politics it's like okay wait so this whole stereotype that Monique has to apparently hold herself above it's like why we should be we should be upset with the people who who like made that stereotype people like in you know what I mean in the sense that like we should be upset at the racist who plays that stereotype on the black community, not Monique. Like Monique's a human being. Like, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, this this whole show is about human beings and the fact that like, that you, it's about women and their various different backgrounds and experiences and they're not gonna be perfect. No woman's gonna be perfect. But you know, when Tamara throws wine in Gina Keo's face, no one's going around and saying that she's a bad representation of white women. Yeah, and it's weird. When Danielle pulled Margaret's hair, no one said that she was a bad representation of white women or white Italian women. Like, you know, no one ever said that because that pressure isn't placed on white women. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. And that's the, that's what's terrible about it is that not only is that pressure placed on black women by, quite frankly, the Bravo audience, who I think definitely hold the black housewives to a different standard and have no problem saying that they're acting, quote, ghetto, which right. they would not say, which they would not say about the any other housewife cities. It's tough that that the cast is placing Monique and making her feel that she's a bad representation of Black women because of the situation. That's what's sad to see, in my opinion. And the thing is, I'm not Black, so I, I, I'm not trying to speak on this as if, like, I have this experience. Like, I'm just going by what I have seen and what I've heard and, like, my experience watching this show and also just, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't... I, I think that just, like, watching this, it's like... I think... Obviously, anybody watching this would be like, you know, Monique shouldn't have done what she did, of course. Like, I'm not saying that, like, she should have grabbed Candace by her hair and and beat her face into a a wine barrel 12 fucking times. I I don't agree with that or whatever. Um, But, like, just the way that this is being handled and then being like, well, well, Monique, until you show and prove to us that you are refined and that you are a better person than what you claim like what? to be. It's like, fuck off. Like, I watched Teresa Giudice chase Daniel Staub through a 
a banquet hall for hours, chased her around. And then the other women teamed up and chased her together. And they came at her from different angles and tugged at different parts of her body. Like, no, it's enough. Like, I just think the whole thing is absurd. And, you know, I hate to, I feel like everybody's saying this, but it's like, if you get in somebody's face and 30 times in a row, ask them like, are you gonna drag me? Are you gonna drag me? Are you gonna drag me? Well then bitch, you might get dragged. You might get dragged across a wine barrel. Well, it's certainly similar to like the Kenya Portia fight where like the idea that like, even though Portia got physical with Kenya and attacked her, it was because Kenya was provoking her yeah. to the point where like Portia was completely like, Portia attacked like it didn't this didn't just happen in a vacuum out of nowhere like it came from Kenya repeatedly harassing and provoking Portia in the case with Candace and Monique like actually watching the fight play out I'm actually shocked they decided to air the whole thing and I actually you know what I mean like it was one of those things that they kept teasing and kept teasing and they kept doing that like you know fun editing where it's like oh like lost footage like oh mm-hmm. cuts out right when the fight happens and then afterwards like I kind of thought that was gonna that was what was gonna happen I didn't think they were gonna show it and I actually was I heard this interview with Andy I think on like Danny Pellegrino's podcast I think some podcasts were like they kind of admitted that like they don't like they don't like to show that kind of fights on house lives like they don't like it's not something that they're happy that they're not happy that it happened and I think their original intention don't quote me on this I think their original intention seemed to have been that they probably would have done some funky editing to it Right. But they felt like instead, because of what was going on and like, I think the hype it got online and I think just like trying to ch- kind of subvert like what people thought they would kind of do, they just sort of like laid it bare and just showed the whole thing. Uh, especially yeah. because it was such a dominant part of the narrative. Like clearly it's the dominant part of the season and will be for the reunion. So I, I'm glad they ultimately showed it. Not because I was like enjoying it. Not, it was actually, I was actually really disturbed by it when I actually saw it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when I actually saw the fight and then saw Monique afterwards, like, ch- like chasing after her in the parking lot, I actually was like disturbed by it and just kind of like sad by it. Like, did you feel sad by it watching it happen? Yeah, I did. Honestly, I, I did. I felt really sad by it because I was like, okay, like you guys have allowed this like petty filming drama to like take you to a level where, and you know, what's funny. I said this to Monty. Um, you know, Monique is always the first person to say like that, you know, she's been saying for years that you should never come out, you should never go after people who have nothing to lose because, yeah. you know, those are the people that will take you to a place where you do things that you don't want to do, but she's it's a great tip. Yeah. It's an amazing tip. And it's like, it's sad. It's just sad that this has now become her, like her, this is who she is now. And she's had several like violent moments on the show. And I really, really, really like Monique. So it just kind of makes me sad that this is like the only thing that's associated with her now is that she's this like wild renegade animal who, you know, you can't trust in a room because you never know she'll go off and she's so violent. And it's like, you know, I I am happy that in this most recent episode, they've at least addressed the fact that, you know, like Ashley's been asked to like make a statement and stuff because Candace did throw a knife at her last year. And, you know, we just so happened to not be having like a Black Lives Matter conversation at the same time that that happened. Who knows how different that would have played out. You know what I mean? Because, right, you know, it's just a different, we're in a different time. And it's like, well, you threw a fucking knife at Ashley last year. Like, sorry, girl. Like, do you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. And I think as well with 
what happened. I think what was so sad about the fight is that you could see, like, Monique was clearly seeing red in that moment. Like, lights were on, nobody was home. Like, mm-hmm. when, like that, like, the face that she was making when she was literally, like, not, I mean, just, like, the, you could see it. Like, she was seeing red as she was, like, literally, like, pounding Candace on the head. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is a woman who is clearly going through something here. I mean, I think they were sort of like, they, I think she was talking about how she was stressed in her marriage and with her family. And and I think this was something that was just like beyond Candace. I think it was, and, I, and she admitted that, that it was something beyond Candace and that she, Candace didn't deserve that. But you could see that when it was happening. Like there was, this was something beyond Candace for her to act that way. And yeah. I was sad that not, no one actually, besides maybe Karen and Ashley, like extended any of that empathy or gave her any of that like empathy or grace. Like they, no one led with any empathy. Like that like episode, that like bottle episode where it just took place at Karen's house to like debrief the fight, which was a great episode. It, it I, made I, me really sad. It was sad because I was like, okay, like everyone, at the end of the day, like as much as like Giselle can walk in with like a security guard and like have a moment. <laughs> even though it was like building upon this like deeply sad moment for Monique where like clearly she was going through something and like working something out or at least trying to Giselle clearly never liked Monique wandered off the show for years always felt this week always felt weirdly threatened by her in a way that I never really understood but she always did so she's happy to have Monique like basically gone yeah um Wendy doesn't even know Monique so I know what the fuck it's weird like it, it, it goes beyond just like defending Candace it goes into like really weird territory like I actually liked when Karen um was it last week or a couple weeks ago like told Wendy to basically stay in her lane when like Wendy came when Wendy did the walk downstairs that slither (laughs) to interrupt Candace and Karen's talk and Karen just basically told her like stay in your lane like I was like yeah I mean like I mean like I was like no offense like Wendy like why does she have to prove anything to you nobody fucking knows you that bothered me too I was like girl why are you even, I understand, it's like, you have every right to be at this, this sit down talk or whatever. And you were a cast member, you were there, you were helping separate her fingers from her, her hair. Like you were there, but it's like, who are you that she needs to prove herself to you? Who are you? Like, what? Well, Wendy's got to remember too, that like, as much as like, I, as much as like, I do like hearing about Wendy's, you know, the fact that she has four degrees and like, I love hearing, I do like hearing about her history and like, I I love, I love hearing about what she does for work. I actually really am so fascinated by like what she does as a political commentator. She has to remember that when she's trying to like make a moment with like Karen about the fact that like she has a degree and four degrees and Karen has none. Like, okay, but like you're both on housewives. It got you to the same place. Totally. So, and Karen's been here longer. Yeah. And Monique has been here longer. And like, there is like, I sound like Sonia Morgan when she was saying to Cindy Barshep, there's a pecking order. You have to respect that. Remember that when she was yes. about saying that Ramona was higher in the pecking order, which like, okay, <laughs> it's like Ramona's, Ramona's an OG on the show. You're not. Yeah. That, I sound like her right now, but like, I am feeling like there is a little bit of that where it's like, Wendy, like you joined the show this year. Like, can you back off for like a second? Yeah. These women have a history and it's obviously really deep rooted and intense. And like, yeah, that drove me insane. It drove me fucking nuts the whole that whole thing i just thought was so like just so gross that whole conversation and giselle i want to talk about giselle for a second just in general sure i have never had a more love-hate relationship with a housewife probably ever with a woman like this i know i'm literally i live laugh love her and i loathe her like it is 
so intense and like you know I go through these phases of being like wow Giselle is so funny she's such amazing tv which she is undeniably but she's just so um she's so evil and like it's like she makes such great television but she's so fucking evil and there's I've always really enjoyed her but this season there's something about this relationship that she has with her ex that I just think is so gross. And I guess it's because this is the Giselle that we had just missed within the first season. Yes. And like, by the way, I love how Potomac for that, like first few episodes, they could not stop showing that clip of um, when she's like, Jamal is a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. They showed it like every episode for the beginning of the season. Um, and I wish they were showing it again because they seem to have stopped doing that. So I hope I hope we got like one more of that flashback before the season ends because we deserve that. <laughs> but I agree with you, like Giselle's sort of like pot-stirring, you know, ways have definitely, I think um, it's starting to negatively affect her. Like I, I think now it's starting to, I think, get on people. And like make people upset, like viewers upset. It's not a great season for her. Like I, I'm sort of like realizing that like as much as I also like love Giselle and I, I want to love Giselle and also and sometimes hate her, I'm like you know this like pot stirring situation here. Like she really is such a shit stir. I'm like okay, like now it's starting to like wear a little thin. Like especially now when we see like especially hearing the rumors that Monique said. Do you remember when Monique? Do you hear what Monique was saying about the cast, right? Like on Instagram Live a few months ago? Right, yeah. Yeah, about how like Giselle apparently was like, might have, was it going to spread a rumor that like Monique's son is not Chris's? And mm-hmm. she, and and Giselle basically brought that rumor out on the show. Besides the, like, the whole like Chris's baby thing, she was saying that Monique, the rumors that Monique was having an affair with her trainer. Um, I don't know. It's I feel like for whatever reason, Monique uh, Giselle like being a fun potster, it took a turn for the worst this year. Did you notice that? Yeah, because it's like there's a difference between being like a fun person who like a bone collector or whatever who brings up shit and like gets things going, but she's just like un unabashedly just like mean. Like it's just like she's just fucking mean. Like that thing that she said to Robin, like that was mean. What is it called? Embezzled? What is it called? Embezzled? Oh wait. In that the was list. so rude. That is literally, that's your best friend. Like, that's just, that's not even funny. Like, that is mean. Okay, the one thing that I will say made me laugh, and it shouldn't have, is when she was, like, saying in her confessional, she's like, I mean, what, whatever ta- Robin owes him tax is so stupid. $1,000 oh to a forge art, and they're like, $90,000. And she just burst into a heart. Yeah. She's laugh. like, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. She's so fucking funny. I don't think any housewife has ever, I mean, I can name maybe two or three, but, like, she's up there has made me laugh so hard, where I'm like, oh, my God. I'm in stitches. Like, I'm keeled over. She's so funny. She is so funny. But it, I agree. Like, for whatever reason, like, this season especially, like, I think Giselle's just, like, fully leaning into this whole, like, potster personality. And it, it's it's gotten rough. It, it's not as fun and innocent as it was, like, in, or the way it seemed in, like, season one. I, mean, I don't know. Like, it definitely got a little bit darker. And I have a really bad feeling that Giselle's going to have, like, a really hard downfall. Yeah, I agree And it's with interesting because the show, like, really wants... Like, the show has, like, made it very clear that, like, Karen and Giselle are the stars of it. Mm-hmm. Like, very... In a way that's, like, a little bit almost more evident in some of the other Housewives shows. Um, 
And I say that only because I only say that because there are four OGs on Potomac. So it's not like Karen and, and um, Giselle are the only two left from season one. They're now in season five. Like we have four OGs. Like most of the cast from season one is still there. Right. But the show has made it very clear that like Robin, I'm sorry, just not Robin, God bless her. Giselle and Karen are the two like head honchos, like stars, like matriarchs of the show. Um, and I have a feeling that's going to be like a really hard downfall for Giselle. Uh, meanwhile, as Karen's like stars only rising. Yeah. She's like really hitting, like hitting her stride. <clears throat> I'm um, loving her this year. She's amazing. Like she, she, Karen this season feels like real, fully realized. Like she's like way more comfortable with herself, way more honest about her shit. You know, she just feels like lived, like a little bit more like lived in as a housewife. Like I don't need to, you know, before she, it felt like she was white knuckling it to keep up and, you know, her big fake empty house and all of the stuff and their money issues that they couldn't talk about. And she feels very liberated this season, yep. which is cool. Yep. Um, and I also will say that the thing about, I guess the thing that's like really bothering me personally about Giselle's relationship is that Giselle is a very specific kind of woman who like I didn't grow up in the church by any means I didn't come from a religious family but like as a black person like you're always six degrees or one degree or two degrees separated (laughs) from the black church like it just you know you have a grandmother (laughs) who makes you go a few times or whatever right and like Giselle is this very specific kind of woman who I like joke about who I say, like, I will meet you in, in church on Sunday. Like, let's make sure that we have our prayer cloths. Like, she's that woman <laughs> up at the front of the church who they all sit in the front row and they, like, dress really, really conservatively sexy for the preacher. And they all want to be the preacher's wife. And they're, like, desperate cougar fucking barracuda women. And that's Giselle. And it's just, like, so gross to me that she is willing to give up her actual true happiness just for the sake of being the preacher's wife and having this lifestyle and the name and her kids are not happy with it or comfortable no i've also never seen two people have less chemistry than giselle and jamal i'm like like, what i'm like what's i'm like is he nervous on the show like what's the deal like because I, I don't know what the deal is, but like, I have never seen two people have less chemistry than those two. I'm like, okay, like, it's so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I don't want to watch it. Yeah. And like, to add Not to what that, I up for. Jamal is very much a very classic, like, black preacher in the sense of like, he is very holier than thou. He holds himself to the standard. He is always giving advice and he's, you know, he's, all knowing and you have to respect him but it's like you're also a chronic cheater and (laughs) you know he probably fucking you know steals money from that church i'm sure of it you know what i mean like that the 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 prayer fucking basket or whatever that goes the blessings basket that gets passed around i'm sure i'm sure it goes straight to his pocket you know what i mean like i just the whole thing is just gross to me and i'm like it, it feels like she's going back. Like, she's going backwards. Like, this is, like, who we were told that you were season one before you started filming. Like, you were this woman that everybody knew as this girl. And now you're, like, going back to that? Like, why? 
Yeah, I know, I know. I'm like, you could do better than this. I think, like, we don't need, like, she had way more chemistry with Sherman. She obviously, she oddly has more chemistry with Juan Dixon than she does with, with uh, yeah. Jamal. I, like, it's all very strange. It's very, it's very strange to watch that storyline. And I would like it to end. I really would like that storyline to end. And she thinks that we're invested in it. I'm not. No. I don't think anybody is. I don't think anybody's invested in that. But also, what's going on with her outfits? I know that everyone's been making fun of her fashion, but it deserves it. Like, her fashion's only gotten worse after five years. What the fuck is going on? You know, it kills me because she is one of the most beautiful women beautiful ever. women I have ever laid my eyes on. I feel fucking honored to look into her green eyes. But my God, is she a tacky queen? And she's always been tacky. But like always. you said, it's gotten much worse. Yeah, not like this. <laughs> not this bad. It is. You know, or maybe it's just that finally somebody said it. You know what I mean? Because I think yeah, we've right. all thought she was tacky, but then Karen saying it when she was like, oh no, Giselle cannot dress. It was like, oh, okay. So they all know she's tacky too. It's not just me. Yeah, I'm glad they pointed it out. We, you know, we needed to point it out. I've never, ever, ever seen anyone, a woman who's so beautiful, dressed like this. Like I've just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, she's one of the worst, like her fashion now with like, it's almost as bad. It's almost as bad as Mary from Salt Lake City agreed agreed or like any other oc housewife who all tend to have terrible fashions <laughs> should we t- let's move on to oc sure let's um, talk about oc when it, 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 a season with the first season without vicky on it at all which honestly i don't really feel the effects of i'm like that's fine i don't feel Weirdly, it at all I, I don't feel it at all i do feel the void of tamra barney tamra Josh, excuse me that's well i mention her all the time yeah, I was going to say, I think they feel the void, too, because they talk about her every... I mean, for a show that was so excited for her to be off of it, all the cast members, it's like, you guys talk about her every 10 fucking minutes. I know. It was really strange in those first couple episodes to see how central Tamara was still was to the storyline. Like, So, like, you know, the whole storyline, episode one, it ends with Bronwyn admitting that she's an alcoholic, and there we go, the season begins. So, we find out that she had to kind of reveal it to the cast because... Tamra had spoken to uh, Brahman's mother, Dr. Deb, and Dr. Deb told Tamra she's an alcoholic. And of course, Tamra, who I I guess told Shannon at some point, or at least I think she said she did. Um, And we just find out that Tamra is like way more central to the storyline than we thought. Like Tamra is the reason why Gina and Brahman are fighting over the text because, you know, Brahman, Gina said that she got a weird text from Brahman after a, a, a night out partying and he got her an Uber home and he sent her that text message just saying like, oh, hey, hope you got home safe. Like Brahman's already in bed, winky face. I don't know. Like, you know, hope you got home safe. Right. And she told Tamara that last season and Tamara brought it back up to Brahman off camera. So I'm like, okay, so Tamara is still very much in the mix. I thought it was a really weird choice to honestly get rid of Tamara. I hate to say it. Um, I agree. I mean, I, I know that she she was like demoted, right? And then she ended up leaving because she didn't want to take the friend role. So she got the Gina Keo treatment. We're like, do you remember when season five when Gina Keo was on for three episodes and then left? Right. Yeah. That was exactly the deal that Tamara got was to show up for three episodes, not even as a friend, but I think as like a full time cast member for three episodes to wrap up her story and then leave. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have done that either. No, it's what is spit in the face of <laughs> like a yeah. person who's been there for like years. I don't blame Tamara for not doing it. I mean, I don't blame her for pulling the Gina, for not pulling the Gina Keo. I think it would have been, I do think about like what the season would have been like if that happened to Tamara, because the season is so like, 
the producers have clearly like put everything into Bronwyn. Like Bronwyn is the star of the show. Bronwyn is the show right now, in my opinion. Totally, yeah, for sure. What do you think? And about thank God. Bronwyn? What do you think about everything going on with her? I like her, honestly. I like Bronwyn. I really appreciate her honesty. And even if she, even if the alcoholic storyline wasn't going on, I, I hate to say storyline, but even if that was, even if she, her, her um, talking about her, you know, being sober, even if that wasn't an element on the show and it wasn't part of her life. I'm glad that I, she's one of the only ones I like on that show. I think I she, like, at this point, like I, I, I just, what really grosses me out about Kelly, besides everything she's ever fucking said about this pandemic or Black Lives Matter. I mean, she's really, Kelly's really horrific. We know this already. We all know this. What disturbs me is that the cast doesn't say anything besides Bronwyn mm-hmm. about it. Like I, I think Gina at one point during the press that she does not agree with what Kelly's saying. And that Kelly thinks she's a comedian, but she's not. So, okay, we got a little bit from Gina. Emily yeah. kind of did that thing where she's like, oh, well, it's Kelly being Kelly. And Shannon sort of did the same thing. And I'm like, okay, like, we need people to say that this is fucking wrong. And it shouldn't just be Bronwyn. But thank God she's at least saying it. I agree with that. It's, um, I really, really like Bronwyn a lot. And I think, you know... Even, I think maybe you and I had talked about it. I, I recorded an OC episode with somebody and we talked about, um, you know, the whole like <laughs> Bronwyn's trauma with her mom. And it just felt like there was so much bubbling beneath the surface there that was like, bu- like bursting to get out. Like she was sort of in a, a wacky, funny way with like some wacky slapstick music behind it, explaining that she was neglected and abused. Like, I mean, her mom would leave her as a baby on like bars and just expect people in in bars to take care of her and raise her like it's weird and obviously just from her interaction with her mom we can see that she has a lot of there's a lot going on there they have one of the most interesting mother-daughter relationships maybe ever Ever. in one of these shows um so that whole thing is fucking nuts and I'm, I'm I'm really excited about this like Bronwyn being unapologetically honest moment happening for her where she's just like no matter what happens like I'm gonna tell you yeah at that moment I wanted to hurt your feelings I was hoping I would hurt you and then it worked and then it went too far like I love that I loved it too I I really I really really like Bronwyn I'm actually really glad that she's still on I'm glad that she's on the show I'm glad that the producers seem to kind of like place like the placed her sort of like the star at this point because I was really worried it was gonna be Kelly um right and honestly, I was worried it was gonna be Shannon. Like, I, I as much as like Shannon, I, I enjoyed watching Shannon over these past few years. I don't. I'm not fully invested in Shannon's story, um, and her being like the only Trace Amigas, the Una Amiga left on that show is. I don't know. I, it's weird to see the show without Tamara because Tamara really was steering the ship, whether you liked it or not. Like this was Tamara's show. It just oh, 100%, was. yeah. So to see her thrown out is certainly like, I think like what we're seeing on OC is a little bit of like, it's not that the season's bad per se. I don't know. I don't really know what to think of the season so far. If Bronwyn wasn't part of it, it would be incredibly boring. Um, it still, to be honest, feels like no one is steering the ship as much as Brahman's the star. It's like, it doesn't feel like we have anyone who's like an actual nucleus to the circle. 
And if that person's Shannon, then it shouldn't be because <laughs> she's not doing a good job of it. Like, yeah, there's like, who's the nucleus? That's the thing about OC that's a problem right now. And I think is like what Housewives producers need to understand about like these shows. Like you need a nucleus. You need someone that like is a connector. You just need it. And OC, like, I don't believe that any of them would actually really be friends. Like, I think Gina and Emily would be friends. I don't think Shannon would give either of them the time of day ever. I don't think Shannon would really hang out with Bronwyn ever. Kelly, she would never talk to, or maybe she would party with. It's like, and and then there's suddenly Elizabeth. I forgot about her. Like Elizabeth is sort of just there. Yeah, I agree with that, and I I agree with what you said about Shannon. I think um, I think the beats are getting a little old with Shannon. It's like I've always appreciated how much Shannon op- is how much she opens up her life to the show, and I've always appreciated how like candid she is and how raw and it's like warts and all you know like she's always given every single ounce of her life to the show and I think that's incredible she's an amazing housewife but like the beats feel so familiar like even like I got goosebumps when I heard her saying like I don't like being called a liar and she's calling me a liar I she I don't like being it's like oh here we go here we go (laughs) it's happening (laughs) David uh, it's happening again. Like, I was like, here we fucking go. Another season of Shannon sort of saying the same shit obsessively over and over the whole time. I won't be called a liar. I'm not a fucking liar. My word is everything. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels a little bit too familiar. Mima, she's very obviously lying. Sorry. Like, I believe. Clearly lying. Yeah, I believe Bronwyn 100% that she said Gina's house was sad. You know, ironically, I think Gina sort of like I actually would argue that I think Gina is uh is the nucleus of the show because she narrates it okay you're so right that Gina does narrate the show whether we like it or not and a lot of people always are like get Gina out of here oh <laughs> I don't and know like, why I like Gina I also kind of like Gina I do I mean I know not even kind of I always like Gina I, I thought that she was like I really liked her in her first season where she was sort of like the New York outsider like kind of like scoffing at these like ridiculous OC women. I like Gina. I still like Gina. I don't really, I don't really understand why people say that like the housewives need to be super rich. I don't, that's like an element of the show that's been removed for like a long time. So I don't know why we're still using that against Gina to be like, well, she's not rich enough to be on the show. It's like, okay, no offense. But since when, like, I mean, I think Shannon actually made a good point where like, they were like, okay, like most of this cast, they're renters. Totally. And like, you know, I just think that sort of element of like you have to be super wealthy to be on Housewives. It's like, is that still an element? Like, I I kind of thought we were kind of over that, like after the fucking recession, basically. <laughs> like, and that I clearly we were... doesn't mean anything. Just watch OC. Those are uh, Beverly Hills. Those women are all loaded, and it's one of the most boring. I can't express to you how much I don't care about their wealth. So it's like, who cares? Right, and like Elizabeth is like clearly very wealthy, and like I know that it's like her like first few episodes, but like quite frankly, she's such a non-factor. Like, and I'll talk. Right. I'll get to her in a sec. I have some thoughts on Elizabeth Lynn Vargas, but with Gina, I actually do like her, and I I I'm glad that she and Bronwyn made up. I think that they could be a good duo. I know that they're not talking, and it's which is a bummer. I, but Gina does narrate the show. She actually had this moment. I wish I could remember what it was. It was definitely, it was on last night's episode for sure. Or this Wednesday's episode. And I like cannot remember what it was, but there were like moments where I was like, oh yeah, like Gina definitely like is the person that in many ways we're supposed to relate to. Yeah. And a lot of the time I do, like, I think I do feel like there are times where I would react the same way that like Gina would to like some of the certain situations. 
Um, what do you think about the Gina Sean Bromwin situation? Because Gina's like, I'll toss in my thoughts for a second, which is I think it's really tough for like. I think the fear of admitting that you have an open marriage or have somewhat open marriage or have had threesomes. I think the fear of revealing that in TV is that you would have people reacting to it in a way that like. Like Gina? Yeah, we're like Gina's now assuming that they want to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. Like and there's like, some and, weird freak swinging from the ceiling. Yeah, and like I hate, and listen, I'm not gonna, Gina has every right to feel uncomfortable by the text message she got from Sean. When we saw the text message, it truly did say something to the effect of like, you know, Bronwyn, you know, hey, it's Sean, like, I know, hope you're okay. Like, got Bronwyn home, but she's asleep. It got her back to like the sex apartment or whatever. I don't know, like, or the apartment, winky face. Like, I get it. It was a weird text message. I didn't think it was like the, you know, the most for text message, but I get that like, listen, Gina felt uncomfortable and I understand that she felt uncomfortable. It was, I get it, it's weird. But I do think the reason why I'm saying what I'm saying is because Gina's brought up quite a few times now that like, well, I mean, they admitted that they're open and I'm sorry, like that's not the marriage I want. And I just, I'm more conservative than that. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. so now you're just, now you're just assuming that they want to sleep with you because they said they're open and because Bronwyn is bisexual. Right. Sorry. And tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm being sensitive about that, but I don't think I am. No, it's absurd. Um, well, I have two things to say. First of all, I think the moment that you were thinking of with Gina is when uh, Shannon and the new girl were arguing, or like, like peeing on each other about money. Yes, that was the best moment. I like loved Gina. That, yes, at Elizabeth's house. Thank you. Yeah. I could not remember what that moment was, but Gina was great in that moment. Yeah, where she's like, these are the moments that I love with these OC women where they fight, they get like these big peacocking moments. That was amazing. It was great. They <laughs> just kept cutting to Shannon's like disturbed face walking around Elizabeth's house. I know. I love when Shannon was like, when she said, uh, when she's like, we went outside on the deck and she had all the food laid out with the labels on. So we saw how much it all okay. cost. I was like, oh my God. Like, first of all. That was, that was bad. That was, I mean. You, oh my God. Like, what the hell? That was weird. That was weird. Okay. Like Shannon, no, but also like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta say not to defend Shannon on that one, but like, why were the labels? Just why the sticking? fuck did you stick the grocery store labels? From <laughs> shop label. Like, girl, you bought potato salad from the grocery store. Don't you? It's like, right, like, we know the ingredients of a potato salad. Yeah, like, we're good. It's it's a crab salad from the the, the market. Like Because uh, the weird thing Elizabeth did was she ripped the labels off the package and she stuck it on the lid. You know, like, I think that's what she did. Like, I think she <laughs> yeah. like, stuck it on the lid so you could, like, see it the moment you're opening it. And, like, I guess she didn't feel like she needed to cut the, you know, price tag off of it. You know, maybe that was a power move. I don't know. She needed to show that she was rich by not only taking these women to go get a Ferrari, but also just showing that she can afford a $5 potato salad from the shop, right? I honestly, there's something I want to, I want to actually answer your original question. I'm sorry that I got us. Okay, like, it's okay. I'm glad he brought it up. I'm glad he brought it up. <laughs> I think I'm a little, I like that woman. I don't even remember. What was her name? Elizabeth? Elizabeth. I like Elizabeth. And... I sort of chalked it up to like, she's a first time housewife. It's her first year. She's in OC. She's just like trying to do the thing. You know what I mean? She's like, she's like, look at this house. Look at my, look at this amazing table is set up. Uh, we're eating on the beach. That's what rich women do. We're eating on the beach. You know, she, it just felt like she was like trying to like show that she's worthy of being a housewife. And it was like annoying, but I was like, I, I, I see why she's doing it. You know what I mean? 
I agree. And sorry, and what did you think of, I'm sorry to go back to this for a second, yeah. but what did you think of the Sean, Gina, Bronwyn situation? And, okay. then, I, and then I will, I have some thoughts on Miss, on Lizzie, on Elizabeth, no, I'm sorry, not Lizzie, Robsack, uh, of season nine fame. I'm talking about Elizabeth Vargas, but what did you think of the Gina thing? Okay, so the text was inappropriate. It was weird. The weirdest thing weird. about it, if you want me to be honest with you, was that he gave an old MySpace era a, a wink instead of even the emoji. Like he like, designed a wink for her it was just it was weird the wink was bad he a smiley face would have been weird the wink was like legit bad like no winks please yeah don't wink at somebody like your one of your wife's friends um it was weird but at the same time i felt like gina was a little bit like a dog with a bone and i don't know if it was be it was worse because we were watching bronwyn's journey play out like so like candidly and she didn't know that that was happening, obviously. So she didn't have the context to be like, well, this woman is like really, really struggling. Like maybe I should back the fuck off. And obviously they went to the meeting together and she figured it out real quick and was like, okay, I'm not gonna keep doing this to you. This is psychotic. Like, I think she probably would have held that throughout more throughout most of the season, just because it was like a thing that she could be that she could hold on to and, and have like a really integral story, uh, integral storyline. But like, yeah, you know, I think she got it and was like, okay, I'm going to back off. Like you're, it's fine, whatever. Um, but by the I, way, I, I agree with you hundred percent that the message was, it was weird. It was a weird message. Shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have sent it. Yeah. It should. It was uh it was a weird message. And I, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that it was one of those things that like in normal life, you would be like, ew, weird. Look at this message that, which she did do, I guess. She was like, hey, look at this weird message that he sent me. Um, but I, I think that she became, like, obsessive about it because it was, like, a storyline. And that was gross. And, like, she did say to Emily when she was drunk, she's like, last year they went to sleep with me relating to the message. And now they're saying my house is too small. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm no offense, Gina. But, like, I... I, I it didn't... I... Like, no, it's not, like, I don't think they're, especially when they're, like, they. I'm like, Bronwyn didn't come on to you, first of all. And second of all, like, you know, I just, if they wanted to sleep with Gina, I think they would have been more forward about it, quite frankly. And, so, and like, I do think it gets really weird when Gina's going into the territory of, like, well, I know you guys have three sons, and I just basically think it's weird that you guys do that. And so, and so, obvious, and so obviously, you want to sleep with me. I'm like, okay, really, Gina, come on, like. It's just so disrespectful. And it's like, I get it. You And I think Gina has every right to feel uncomfortable with the message. It was really weird. But I think to kind of go into their like marriage and make it seem like that's just what they do and they're basically creeping on her. I was like, oh, okay, no, maybe not that. Come on. It was grossly conservative to be the, the one who's supposed to be like the young one who's always talking about how all the women are going through menopause and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you're supposed to be like the young hip one. You're like the young, cool girl, but like, yeah, like you assume that this one, like this woman, because she's bisexual, she wants to like go down on you or whatever. Like, it's just like, are we really still doing this on and on TV in twenty twenty? Right, like, really. And like, Gina being really? like, and Gina being like, well, I'm conservative in that way, and like that's just not how I'd have my marriage. And I'm like, well, my reaction to that was like, I don't think they give a fuck what you think about. Nobody marriage. asked you. Yeah, they're right. not conservative in that way, and nobody asked. That's the most annoying thing about when women like that say things like that. It's like, well, nobody asked you what your standards are. Nobody asked you and you're like, your boundaries are not, are not the boundaries of the world. It's like, nobody's asking. And they also have no interest in you. (laughs) 
Like you're not right. Like, like I said, like if if I think if Bronwyn and Sean wanted to explore anything with Gina, I don't think they would have done it in that way. Period. Like I just, I mean, and listen, I don't know them, so maybe they would. I don't know, but my point is, it didn't seem like they did. It seems like Bronwyn and Sean have no interest in sleeping with Gina. That's, I mean, that's what that's the vibe I got. That they have no interest. (laughs) Sorry. Like yeah, agreed. Let's talk about by the way, like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was, go ahead, gonna go ahead. Say, I was gonna say really quickly, and the only reason why I can say like listen, if Tamara was saying this, then yeah, maybe I'd feel differently because Brahman and Tamara, quite frankly, had a lot of chemistry last year and were clearly very into each other. Or at least and Brahman admitted she was very into Tamara. Yeah. Gina and Tam Gina and Brahman hated each other. Why would they want to sleep with Gina? They did not like each other at all as friends. They didn't like each other as people. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like just because people have open relationships doesn't mean that they just fuck every woman that they come across and no. that they're like creepy, you know, sex dungeon, uh, spin gully. Like they're going to, they're going to roofie you or something. It's like, girl, calm the fuck down. Thank you. I'm glad we're on the same page. Cause I was like, am I in, the, am I in my own universe? Am I just defending Bronwyn too much? Or like, is this actually legit? And I'm like, I, then I circled back and I was like, no, I think I'm, I think I agree with myself. I was like, I think I, I think I stand by what I thought. Oh, and it's also, I mean, we're, we cannot record this episode and not mention that um, Bronwyn's son showed, again, clear signs of iconic behavior. Uh, so iconic. His talking head, just that one five minutes was amazing. Um, love I love him. I'm obsessed with him. It made me so much more, like, open to her, to her just in general. Um, I feel like Bronwyn has so many kids and such a, her family is such a big part of her life that it kind of ties back to like the old school OC where it was like more about their families than it was even them interacting with each other. And like, that was absolutely. always really interesting to me. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely love the fact that like, I thought that was such a beautiful scene, honestly. I thought it was so nice to watch Bronwyn and, and Sean be so supportive of Jacob and like, it just it was so needed we don't get enough of those kind of scenes honestly seeing parents just being so supportive of their kids that way and the fact that Brahman admitted that she doesn't have all the answers but she's trying to be as supportive and just being so sensitive and showing so much love for her kid is great I mean I think at the end of the day like it's tough because Brahman of course you know it was tough to hear her say that she basically had a lot of these kids to really try and stay sober and it's of course a dark scene when she was talking about that, but you can tell she she really she loves her kids. I mean that's oh, yeah. like it, she loves all those kids. The smalls and the what did she call them? Not the smalls. I was gonna say the smalls and the talls, like the houses of Atlanta. Remember the <laughs> houses of Atlanta? Yeah. The smalls versus the talls. Oh my I think God. it was like she and Bro- Sean call the kids like the littles and the bigs or something. Yeah, I think it's the bigs and the littles for sure. Something like that, not the smalls and the talls. We'll save that for Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And then even her just like having to explain it to Kelly with Kelly being like, so is your son gay? Because he said he wasn't gay. And then he's like, I'm not trans. So what is it? Why is he wearing these clothes? <laughs> That's like, can, you say, can you say gay like Kelly again? <laughs> son gay? Because he said he wasn't gay. <laughs> what is he, gay? And Kelly's just like wide-eyed staring like a fucking deer in the headlights because she's afraid to say anything inappropriate on camera. Oh my god. But Kelly was being such a shitbag. Like, what the hell? Was like, was she like, he's doing it for attention? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Can you just shut up? It's the same reason that you are contoured like a like a, a literal fucking drag queen while you guys are shopping for jeans or whatever. And like, yeah, he is wearing makeup because he wants to fucking wear it. It's not that deep. Right. Right. Thanks, Kelly. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about the new housewife. What do you what are your thoughts? 
I don't know what to make of this woman. <laughs> I will tell. <laughs> I tell you. Okay, I will tell you this. OC has a really hard time. I think casting women. I think Rama was a great casting choice, and she sort of came in like shot out of a cannon in season fourteen. I think, mm-hmm. which was really nice because it was really different for Gina and Emily for their first season. In season thirteen, it felt like they were on their own show. Do you remember that? Where like season thirteen was literally a show that starred Vicky. Tamara, Shannon, and Kelly, and then oh, there was yeah. another show. There was like another show starring Gina and Emily, and yeah. they would only film with each other, and nobody would give them a time of the day, and like <laughs> they would just be like at the park with their kids. Like that's I'm not. It's Elizabeth is not like that. Like we are getting Elizabeth scenes with like two of the women, but like Elizabeth's been at one group event at Shannon's house, which was barely a group event because the group doesn't want to film together because they're not friends. Um, I don't know what to make of this one. Like. She's fine. I, I had a really bad taste in my mouth from Elizabeth prior to the show airing because she did post like some really weird defense of Kelly like on Instagram where she's like, well, people are allowed to say whatever they want. But I will God. say like, but I will say I was shocked on the show to find myself like being appreciative of the fact that she's like, I think Kelly's being really mean to Brahman and we should all be more sensitive to her. I'm like, oh, wow, thank you. A, a nice, decent human for once. And it's coming. It's Elizabeth. I was like, okay. She reminds me, this is just for everybody listening who watches Big Brother. She reminds me of this woman on Big Brother named Christmas. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I love it. Um, she just has this very sort of put on charm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like where she like, when she's at a party, she's like glancing over to see if the camera's watching. And then she like says some quip, like, I don't know. She's very like, it's going to take a minute. I, the, I'm chalking her up to it's going to take a minute. It may take a full season. At the mm-hmm. end of the season, I feel like we are going to be completely in a different world as far as how we feel about her than now. Like, I kind of feel like it's too early to gauge. Um, I do really, really appreciate her story. I like that she's like very open about the fact that she was like so poor. And she's like, yeah, I'm tacky with money because I just grew up so fucking poor. Like, right, like I had nothing, yeah. Yeah, like I lived in a car. Like, I like that she's so open and honest about her life. I think that's cool. And yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I've never felt so uh, sort of confused. I don't know why I feel so confused, to be honest. Like, I don't know what exactly it is. I mean, it's, I like that she's like a musical theater girl. So it seems like to me, when she was talking about like the cabaret that she had where she met her husband, Bert Bodell, as she says. Right. Um, <laughs> Bert, love that. Um, I like her Newport house um, with her dog, Coda. Um, and I do appreciate her being honest about her story as well. I'm, I'm interested. And I think, um, I think the reason why I'm not sure what to make of her is um I think it's like what I said before but the group scenes like I I kind of didn't realize how much this group like did doesn't film together or hasn't filmed together so like we're on episode like five or something or like four and like I get that we had Shannon's party but like I don't know like Elizabeth felt like she was kind of on the side watching everything right. with like her boyfriend and like wasn't really part of the group at all and so to see her like getting a car like and having like kelly and shannon there or you know something like that i was like okay weird like it's not she's certainly in the mix i can't say that she's not like they're certainly filming with her what i'm missing from elizabeth and quite frankly from the entire cast is like i need a group dinner like i need like yeah we need to see them together 
I need to, I need to see a dinner. Like I, I think they should have easily had like a dinner party at like someone's house, like where we like Elizabeth shows up and she gets to tell her weird story about her boyfriend who won't sleep with her and like her divorce. And like, that's what I need. Like I need like her not to just like go to dinner with Gina um, and Kelly once. Like I need to fully see like a group dinner. Like we're seeing the dynamics. Like that feels very old school OC to me. It's like in any housewife show where like the new housewife comes in and they have like a dinner at some like Outback Steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Vicky's favorite joint. Like she loves it. And I love that part. Like I need to go to, I, I need to like, I need it. Like I just need like a group dinner where like they can hash it out. Where they can like, yeah. if Vicky was there, she would like hate her. Totally. Actually, I don't. I don't. I don't know if Vicky would hate Elizabeth. I don't think Vicky would hate Elizabeth. I. I really, honestly, don't. I think that she would be like, not threatened by her, really. So then she would be like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, because yes, I think. I think the thing confusing me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think the thing confusing me about Elizabeth is that I think I thought she was going to come into the show as like either the villain or just like a really mean human like and instead she comes in like actually quite nice yeah she just seems really nice and bubbly and just sort of like happy to be here like she's just really like she like reminds me of somebody that my mom would be like hey this is my friend from work and be like hi like she just, just seems bliss. like some some like nice lady i don't know she does seem like just like some nice lady i think i feel like i read rumors that like she was having a hard time like getting like that she was like a troublemaker or like having a hard time like becoming like close with the group. I thought I had read that she's a troublemaker. Maybe I took that energy and I did like certainly stalk her Instagram prior to the show. I feel like I thought she was something that she wasn't, aka like just like kind of like the new Tamara in some mm-hmm. way. But like she's not that. Like she seems like so far she seems like a nice, decent person. I'm ner- I'm nervous to see like what she'll be like in the COVID era because she certainly was posting. Um, Instagram stories during the lockdown, hosting people at her home, like basically having like what looked to be like little parties, like lockdown, not like, you know, (laughs) last week, it was like lockdown, this was happening. And she was like very fully like anti the lockdown. And I was like, I don't like that. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I'm like enjoying this like pre-COVID world that like we're all living in and I'm not looking forward to it coming down like starting next week apparently and literally like the description for next week literally says like as coronavirus makes its way to Orange County Shannon stocks up on paper towels like it's like I don't I can't I I mean that like okay were you not like traumatized by Kelly's Corona Del Mar virus joke on last week's episode oh my god Kelly is like Kelly is I, I don't have coronavirus and then her like flirting with that, like she just reminds me. I used to be like a, a semi-professional manny when I was in high Love school. It. I was a professional babysitter. It was how I made almost all of my money through high school. And then like, you know, once you're in like the babysit- babysitting circuit and like uh in like what in my where I grew up, like it would be like my our version of Coda de Casa, just like wealthy women looking well women who were like looking for wealthy men like the women that I babysat for would all go in groups to like golf events and stuff like that to like look for men together and they would come home wasted and get in the hot tub like it was like a really crazy experience actually but um Kelly reminds me a lot of the women that I used to babysit for oh my god and like her when she was like rubbing her (laughs) her hands on that on shannon's dad's face or whatever 
and asking if he gets laid and if he bangs out her like cooch and shit I was like oh my god I I had a lot of PTSD Kelly Dodd I I don't know I'm really not looking forward to whatever journey we're going on with Kelly in COVID coming soon like I'm not looking forward to it I don't want to see it I'm good and like but somehow we're diving into it in like two weeks I'm like no please don't do this to me like I don't I'm just not ready I'm not ready for any of it and I feel like I will say about like Elizabeth too for a second because now I'm thinking about her again um for a woman who I feel like is not quite like with this group just yet I can't imagine what it feels like when they literally don't shoot for months and then suddenly she's just sort of there I'm like is she like like I don't know exactly what a first season for her to have because like she does feel like removed from this group, but somehow she's in it. And I don't know, I, I know I keep saying this, but like, I just don't understand this. I don't understand how I'm feeling this way or how this is happening on the show. Like what's going on here? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like she, she feels really just kind of there. Like, there, you know, like not even friend of. She just is at the party as a cast member. It's really weird. It's like, there's Elizabeth. And I think, um, <laughs> I think with Kelly, I, I'm glad that the season's not, like, Kelly-dominated. That was, like, my fear, is that we are going to have, like, a Kelly-dominated, like, season. And I'm sure it's going to get really ugly with the COVID stuff. And I think, and it seems like Bravo's remedy for, like, I think Bravo's, I think Bravo, rather than just announcing that they're firing her, I think they're basically just incorporating her, like, nastiness into a storyline. Right. Because I think that's the way that we're teasing it for the season. It looks like it's going to be, like, Bronwyn versus, you know, Kelly. I think what concerns yeah. me about what's what's going to happen with OC is that I, I'm worried that it's basically the entire cast versus Bronwyn. Bronwyn has basically admitted that like she's not talking to anybody in the cast anymore, like at all. And at one point, she had said to the producer, she said this in an interview actually the other day. She said to a producer that she wants off the show, and she's like, "Bring me on a show with better people," because these people are horrible. Well, if that happens, honestly, all it's going to do is, like, force the audience to sympathize with her even more. Like, she'll probably end up coming out, like, a starlet. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, do you think Bronwyn's going to come out on top? Or do you think that, like, because I think, like, this, this, like, I've never seen a group of women, like, for example, why the fuck is Emily being so, like, at this point, rude about Bronwyn's sobriety? Why is Emily on the show? I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, I actually was, like, starting to warm to Emily last year a little bit because I thought that she was sort of, like, a nice sort of, um... I thought that she was sort of, like, a nice... Not really... She wasn't never, like, a narrator for the show ever, but I definitely thought she was sort of, like, a nice cast member to have to deal with, like, you know, calling out... Like, telling the audience, like, hey, Tamara and Vicky are ridiculous people. But now that they're gone, I'm like, why is she here? I'm like, okay. And it's and especially because she's like veered into this like territory where it's like, I think she's just really rude. And like, she really very much hates Bronwyn for a reason I don't really understand. Like, it's very obvious that she really, really doesn't like Bronwyn um, and has no problem talking shit. Like, I thought like, I'll just say it. Like, I thought when her and Gina called her, like when they were really drunk at the, the episode right after Bronwyn just said she was an alcoholic, I thought it was really nasty and really rude. Um, I think that Kelly and Brom and Emily saying behind Bronwyn's back that she's better drunk is really rude um, yeah. and actually really mean, really mean. And I just don't really get like why she has such a hard on for Bronwyn. I actually don't get it at this point because Bronwyn never did anything to her. Yeah, it just kind of feels like it's like 
she's the girl who's going to be the person that it's easy for them to all pile on this year. So it's like, okay, well then let's just like go for it. That's the vibe. That's the energy I'm getting at this point because Emily is someone who like, I, she, Emily, the vibe I get from Emily is that Emily thinks that she's like top dog now for whatever reason in this like cast. I, I think it's actually quite fascinating that she would think that because people have called for her firing literally since the moment she joined the show yeah. and have no problem calling her boring. So I think it's interesting that she has this like weird energy this season that like now that Tamara and Vicky are gone, it's like she survived the reckoning and so she now owns the show. I'm like, okay, I wouldn't think, okay, Emily. Yeah, it's insane. And also her being no like- No offense, Emily, but come on. Also her talking about like Shannon finally acknowledging her. It's like, girl, get over. Is this your whole existence on this show? I like, know, it's so bad. Trying to get Shannon to go to get fucking spicy, mar- skinny margaritas with you. Get a fucking life. Seriously, like, I'm just so, like, I, I, she's, like, exhausts me. Like, I really honestly get exhausted watching her. I get exhausted watching her at home. I don't, it's, like, the fact that we made it through all of that weird shit with her husband and we still have to live through his little fucking jokes because he, like, thinks that this will be, like, his access to a stand-up career or something. Like, he's going to get a Netflix special. I'm just, like, I, all of it, I can't. I, I just, like, cannot. The thing is, I actually want to like her too. And like, I, I actually thought that she was like, I thought it was nice how supportive she seemed to Brahman in the first episode when Brahman was like really opening up. And she's like, I'm telling you this because I pushed you away because you called me out and I didn't want to deal with it. I was like, wow, what a moment for Brahman to just like be open like that with this woman. Yeah. And for Emily's response behind her back was just basically say that she's better drunk. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I know. I think she feels like she's top dog because she's close friends with Kelly. Yeah, I think for that she sure. just like wh- whatever is going on there is just like rubbed off, and like I just think it's like really mean, and it makes me like really now it makes me fully dislike her, and I'm like okay, so now I really don't like you, so why are you on the show? Basically, it's like I thought I could at least like you because you seemed like you could be normal, and like instead I feel like you're just being really mean, <laughs> and I and I just fully went Team Bromwen. Meanwhile, by the way, seeing like Lizzie this week with Emily gave me the chills because Lizzie, okay, from season nine. She was kind of a legend. As much as people like don't remember Lizzie very fondly, Lizzie came on this sh- show the same season as Shannon. And so obviously Shannon's like the entire season was about Shannon Bedore. But if people would forget, Lizzie's the one, and they showed the flashback, Lizzie's the only one to make Tamara truly shake in her boots and literally actually run to the hotel room when she was like, you're crap, Tamara, you're the most insecure woman I've met in my whole life. <laughs> You'll never see me again! She- You'll never see me again! <laughs> um... Oh my god! <laughs> I just had a flashback to the season nine show. I don't know why they didn't include it in the show, but if you ever have a moment, please go look at the season nine trailer, okay, of the Housewives of Orange County, because they tease Tamara running away like that, and she goes, "You'll never see my face again." Goodbye, and she just starts running. But for whatever reason, in the trailer, you just hear her scream afterwards, "Get away from me!" and like. For some reason, it's not included on the show. I don't know if that's like an like a clip they just edited into that scene to make it look like she was having a full on mental breakdown, or they just like fully cut it to like save her from the embarrassment. But she like screamed bloody murder. Get away from me! You never see my face again. Never see my face again. That was Lizzie that made her do that. You'll never see my face again. Goodbye. My Tamara is just the same as, like, my Tamara is actually my Shannon. Like, my Tamara is 
just Shannon saying, you will all see the truth. You will all see the truth. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> oh my God. I loved when Shannon screamed, you'll all see the truth. And honestly, I was fully team Shannon at that point. I was like, yes. I was like, they will see the truth. <laughs> um, we will see it. But yes, Lizzie seeing her now, knowing that, I'm just going to say it, Lizzie's full QAnon. And if you don't believe me, go look at her Twitter. Seeing that we've gone into that territory, and I get it. I get that it's the OC Housewives. I get that she's not the only one. I got it. I've seen Gretchen's Twitter as well. But like, and like some others. Um, But to see Lizzie now, I was like, wow, I used to really stand this woman in some way years ago no longer i'm just like i was i was like i it it made me uncomfortable i'll tell you that well i feel like i could honestly like i feel like you have to come back to talk about outside like we have to do another like a part two of this episode of just like not housewives because there's there's also all the other bravo shows that we love and i I know there's so much more (laughs) i could do this with you for literally i could honestly do this for like seven more hours i'm not even kidding um, Me too, and I just checked the time. How long have we been doing this? I actually, actually don't know. I have no idea. Maybe two parts. You guys may be hearing the second part. I have no idea. <laughs> this, could, this could be four hours. Um, but I love you, and I'm so, so, so happy that you are here and that you came back and that we got to do this because obviously we both really needed it. I know. I love you, and thank you so much. This was like, this is everything. I love talking about this with you for well, three hours. <laughs> Well, tell people where they can follow you on the interwebs. You can follow me on Twitter, um, on the B Alvarado, and on Instagram at the Brandon Alvarado. Oh my gosh, Brandon. This was, I've, I've like literally, I feel zen. I had like a bad work day. This is like, I feel relaxed and calm. This was amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. This was so neat. I feel refreshed. It's, I told you we need this like every quarter at least. <laughs> well, it's like a summit. It's like a summit. Well, I love you. I will probably be texting you uh, as soon as we get done recording. And uh, yeah, bye, guys. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.